Hello and welcome to the Shay Hates Everything podcast where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay and today I hate when I'm at work and my stomach makes very loud noises while I'm sitting at my very public desk in my very public office. Yes, I can absolutely um, sympathize with that sentiment because my stomach has a lot to say throughout the day. Um, (laughs) Right. And my special needs room, like when I'm like teaching classes and stuff, it's very quiet and focused. And then my stomach is just like, and the kids give me a look and I'm like, you know. Yep. Thankfully, there are only like six people that work on my floor. Everyone else is on our two other floors. So it's not as big of a deal, but it's like the other two people that work in marketing with me, I'm sure just here (laughs) all the time, all day long. I wonder, I wonder what's more embarrassing having kids hear your stomach do that or having no just just having kids having kids well having kids is way worse (laughs) i would say co-workers because there's like there's like a you look at each other as peers versus like kids like oh if your teacher like ah it's kind of funny maybe if it's a cool teacher i mean if you're a lame teacher they're gonna make fun of you no matter what but like co-workers or something yeah there's something, I don't know, more embarrassing to me. Yeah, I could see that. Um, anyways. But who, who are you? I, I don't know who I don't know who you are. Would you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Carl. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Carl. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's, uh, uh, my name's Kyle, and today I hate sinus infections because I just course. got over one. Um, yeah. And I'm still getting over one. So if you hear a couple sniffles, I will try to keep it to a minimum. I'm still kind of like... Did you have to feeling, take more time pooper. off work? So I was out for two days, two more days. Jeez. I have a whopping 0.5 sick days left. That's not very good. So, But we get 1.25 sick days every month. So mm. as long as I'm good the rest of the year, I'll have built my stock back up for next sure. year. You're right. Well, I'm sure drinking soda that I'm watching you do right now really helps with your sinus. I drink infection. water all day. All day. <laughs> so keep I drink, like, drinking five it. water you bottles. You can't drink too much water throughout the day. I can because I no, hate it. No, you can't. Uh, I hate water. Uh, there's nothing my body's, that quenches thirst better. You like everyone's like, oh, but your body's seventy percent water. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, my body's like constantly thirty percent shit, and you don't see me eating or drinking shit. So, but don't nailed it. <laughs> 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 here every other week <laughs> stick around oh boy just the high quality one. content we bring on the Shay hates everything podcast it's gonna be a good show yeah uh so we're it's i feel weird right now because normally i mean normally when we record the show it's usually on saturday mornings because my wife works saturdays and so that's like a perfect time to do it but yeah. how you've been super busy this week because you have folks renting out the theater, which you site manage. Right. So we're actually recording on a Sunday evening, and I'm Saturday expecting my wife evening. home. Yes, yeah, Saturday Thank- evening. Oh, Thank thankfully you. it's not Sunday yet. I know, that would make me panic. But yeah, Saturday evening, and I'm expecting my wife home at any minute because she's still coming home from work. And I just feel like normally I wake up, I eat something, and then we do the podcast. And then it's like lunchtime on a Saturday. And now, like, it's the end of the day. By the time we're done recording, it's going to be nighttime out. And I that just, I feel off. It feels weird <laughs> to be recording it's all, the podcast It's all my right fault. Now. No, it's okay. I get it. You're working, like, I mean, how, you, how many hours did you say you worked this weekend? 
So For the past couple days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday together, I'll have worked thirty hours, um, and then I, I was I was sick Monday and Tuesday, so I only like mm-hmm. worked my day job Wednesday and Thursday because Friday school was canceled because of a girls basketball tournament. They made it what? to state, so they canceled school, what? so everyone could go. Did what? Yeah, this is a real thing that happened. <laughs> and since they canceled the high school, they canceled the district. The That's entire ridiculous. district was canceled because the girls' basketball team made it to state. That's um, insane. Which I'm fine with because I just wound up at the freaking building anyway, site managing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. making more money an hour. I will add <laughs> than um, your normal than, job. than I would have. So, <laughs> so I only I got Monday and Tuesday off, but mm-hmm. I was super sick and felt awful the whole time and could barely breathe. Um, so I don't really count this as days off because my body was working to not die. Isn't that the worst? I hate taking sick days like when you're sick or like taking even worse is when you have to use like vacation days when you're Ugh. sick. Because like you're just you know, you're just wasting that time. And like right. you would rather be at work. That's how miserable it is when you're sick. Right. Totally. Um, but yeah, so you know, like I work in 30 hours Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I'm right in the middle of that. And that is a slog. So we're working, working a lot. And then I, just, I, it's like, it just, it doesn't end because my nap, my weeks now since stage crew has started is I work seven fifteen to two fifteen, stage crew three to five rehearsal, six thirty to eight thirty, like every, wow. every day. So it's a, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Well, we, let's dive right into it. Yeah. Uh, before we jump into what we've been watching and playing and stuff, I got a new TV this past week. And it wasn't because I wanted to get a new TV, because we just bought a new one when we first moved in to our new right. place last, or I guess it was about a year ago now. Because when we moved in, the movers broke our TV. It was a whole rigmarole. I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast we or did, not. We did, and the moving company really super sucks. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not going to name them because I'm pretty sure we signed an agreement saying we wouldn't bad talk them. But uh, oh. they gave us X amount of dollars, and it wasn't nearly enough, and it sucks, but we moved on. And so we bought a, t- a new TV, a super nice um, Vizio, like a 55-inch. I was really happy with it because our old one was the same TV that I bought when I was in college. It, it was a 50-inch plasma, which okay. I don't even know if they make plasma TVs anymore. I don't know. And I paid $1,700 for it when I bought it, which is an insane amount to spend on a TV, in my opinion. But it it's is. because it was, like, relatively new still. And it the thing weighed, like, 80 pounds. It was absurd. Right. And so the new one we got, it was much nicer, better quality. It was uh, an LED, um, 4K, and... Uh, like a couple of months into having it, half of the screen was dark. Like not black, but just like someone put like a film over it, like a just a, a shade over it. And then it kind of went away a couple days later. And I was like, okay, I guess we're fine now. Everything then, is fine. Yeah. And then it was all fine after that. So whatever. And we had a warranty, whatever. So I knew if something bad happened, we could t- get it taken care of. But like a month ago... I got a dead pixel line, like right across the middle of the screen. So oh. ju- it's just like a red line the whole time. And I just didn't want to freaking deal with it. Cause it didn't, you could really only see it when it was uh, like the background was blue or when it was white, basically any other time it was completely unnoticeable because of the way the pixels work. But eventually I got to a point where I was like, you know what? This sucks. So we called a dude because uh, we got it at Best Buy, so we had the Geek Squad protection. So the guy okay. came out, and I wasted like a whole Saturday morning with him last weekend or two weekends ago. And like he was here for like two hours, un- 
screwing everything, replacing the motherboard or some shit. Couldn't fix it. So we had to go in. And basically, long story made short, I was able to get a new TV. Because the old one, the price has gone down. Like, prices for TVs are constantly going down. Right. I was able to get a new TV, a different brand. I got a TCL, which is like a really unknown brand, but it has really good reviews online. And I was able to get the same size TV with HDR. And it only nice. cost me like $40 more like okay. out of pocket because of what I got back. So got a new sexy new TV. It's not like a nice name brand, but I don't care as long as it looks good. And boy, does it look good. <laughs> so I finished Horizon Frozen Wilds, which was like a really good showcase for the HDR because of kind of the color saturation and everything that you get with that high dynamic range. Right. Um, it probably made the snowy areas look less like yeah. bland. Well, it yeah, it did. And and like even before the snow in that game looks absolutely phenomenal. And I complained last episode about kind of the sameness of it and how it kind of makes it hard to use that focus mode. I mean, right. that's still true. It doesn't solve that problem, but the quality of the textures was like a noticeable improvement. And I just have a base PS4. I don't have the PS4 Pro. I'm sure it would be even more insane if I were to upgrade that, which maybe I will do someday, someday <laughs> soon. Um, but yeah, so I finished that. Uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, the ending, it ties into what's happening during the main game pretty well with all the like AI and stuff. And you get a lot of context about the old world and how the AI worked in the old world. Um, in this DLC that you don't get in the main game that kind of fleshes that out a little bit. That was one of my complaints of the main game is towards the end, it just becomes this like rapid fire info dump where it's like a lot of stuff kind of went over my head. I didn't really right. feel like I was getting 100% of it. And this helps with that. Um, it kind of reminded me of the Leviathan DLC from Mass Effect 3 where you go down into okay. the ocean and talk to like the big Leviathan, like the precursors to the Reapers. Yeah. And it's like you, after you play it, you're like, this is intrinsic to understanding the story in Mass Effect. Why would <laughs> right. they make this DLC? I felt a little bit like that about the end of Frozen Wilds where I was like, oh, people should play this during the main game. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot of fun. I, I play, I fought a lot more of those like bear enemies after you beat the game, there's a quest for like, hey, you have to beat five of them, and they're all in much more difficult scenarios. And boy, those were a fucking slog. It took me like three hours to beat all of them in the different areas oh, wow. just because those battles take forever. Um, but, I mean, it was cool. I mean, I, since last last time I talked about it, you get these specialized weapons. So there's one that only does frost damage, one that only does lightning, and one that only does fire. And they're, they have, like, combo, short-range and long-range, secondary fire. Where, like, the frozen one, which I used a lot, you go up close and you kind of blast the enemy with it. And it sprays out this, like, you know, icy foam smoke stuff. And it slowly freezes him. And then you can use the secondary fire, which is, like, a charge-up charge ice spear. That once he's frozen, it does, like, super massive damage. Uh, okay. And those are really, really cool, effective weapons. But the ammo takes a shit ton of resources, which I didn't realize. Because, like, that was never a problem for me when I was playing the game, the resource. I always right. had more than enough of everything. Yeah. But this, like, I was fighting these bears, and they're, like, the fire guys, so they're weak to ice. And I, like, killed the first one, and I move on to fight the second one, and I'm trying to craft more of the ice spear things, and it's like, oh, I'm out of that resource. I had, like, 600 when I went into this fight, oh, and I'm out geez. already. So, yeah, it was... um. I don't know. It, it was a lot of fun. I'm definitely glad I went back and played through Horizon. Like I said, some of the DLC stuff highlights aspects of the 
original game that I didn't enjoy, which is a right. bit of a bummer. But, I mean, the game is so unique. Like, the way that the enemies work is so fascinating. The world is so well-realized and varied that, um, I don't know, it was just cool to be back in that universe. And I'm super excited for the inevitable sequel. Nice. Uh, so what about you? Have you been playing anything? Um, I've had a little bit of time uh, in between mm-hmm. all of the work. Um, I got Ion Maiden on Steam, mm-hmm. and it's actually made... They, they took the original build engine, uh, like Duke Nukem 3D and all those games, um, and they made a few tweaks to it, but it's essentially a game made in the build engine, and it's really, really cool. Um, it's currently in early access. They just have like a short mission available right now. Um, but the full game campaign is going to be available like on release, obviously, but it's, okay. it plays very much like, you know, there's a lot of head bobbing and like the head bob, like as you walk, sure. um, and like there's it, the levels are chock full of secret areas and stuff to find. Um, and it's got like a really cool personality. Um, yeah. Ion Maiden. It's pretty pretty freaking cool i had a lot of i had a lot of fun uh and it's because like it, it plays really well and you can i mean you can even play like original build engine controls like with all keyboard like with the arrow mm. keys and WASD. like mm-hmm. you can do that if you want like you fully customize there's a bunch of different settings and stuff you can mess with um again it ran really well it had a lot of like really neat effects and it's cool to like see one of the like a new one of those old games with like where it, it holds on to the best parts of what those games had at the time, but then it infuses modern some modern game uh, game design sensibilities. Sure. Um, it's cool to see those two kind of fuse and keep the original aesthetic. So highly recommend it. I well, got what's the what's the concept of that? Like what's the world and stuff that it takes place in? Yeah, it, like it, uh, dystopian future thing. You're a part of a, a police force, I think, like okay. a, fu- a future squad police force. Uh, you play as a, a female character, and you're going in. I don't remember the specifics of it because it's it's intentionally light on story, as right. those early games often were. Right. Um, but at the, at the end, you have a really cool boss battle with a giant mech. Um, yeah, I mean, like the story's not going to be the focus. I think it's just mm-hmm. a vehicle for. Um, really good one-liners and <laughs> right. cool weapons. There's a weapon Style. in it. Uh, there's a weapon in it where it's a, I think it's called the bowling ball grenade where you roll it and it will like auto seek out enemies and like mm. roll up to them and blow them, blow them up essentially. Um, that's a cool, that's a fucking cool weapon. <laughs> um, and then your revolver, your six shot revolver is called lover boy, I think. Okay. Which is a great name for a revolver. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like, like something Dante would use. Yeah. Like, picked up Loverboy ammunition. Um, I got Vermintide 2, which this thing has been taken steam by storm. People are crazy about this. Um, It's set in the Warhammer universe, not the 40K, because that's, like, the future Space Marine stuff. This is, like, the old Warhammer stuff with, like, orcs and and, and all that. Yeah. Um, There was a first Vermintide game. I don't remember when it was released, but it wasn't... It had kind of like a niche following, but it wasn't a big hit. People had a lot of issues with it. Um, this, they seem to have improved upon the original in every way. It's the the most I can say about it is maybe the best thing I can say about it is it's very much like Left for Dead, but with progression. Um, okay. And that's like the one thing that Left for Dead was really missing because it Left for Dead is a great co op experience. It's a lot of fun. 
um, like learning how to counter the different enemy types and everything and, and memorizing the maps and where the item spawns are and stuff. That stuff is fun. And just like it's a vehicle for having a good time with your friends. This is still totally that, but it's just like swords and magic and these like giant Got rat it. men that are running at you. Um, but it also has like exterior progression. So you have like a very destiny like power hero level that's going up and it's like an average of your total gear score. Um, and then you have, so like every time you level up, you get 10 extra power to your thing. And then the other half of your power is your, an average of your gear score. Um, I'm having a blast with it so far as, as far as I know, there are no microtransactions, but you get loot chests when you beat okay. levels. So when you level up, you get a commendation chest. Um, and then when you beat a level, you get a loot chest. Now the different difficulties like cap certain levels like oh you can only get up to 100 power level items by playing recruit if you go veteran you can get up to 200 so like in the commendation chests and like uh kind of help you toe that line of like the buffer to help buffer you past those like later bits like if your power level's at like 100 well i guess technically your gear average power level's at 100 like whatever your level is and you're struggling with veteran, you can, mm-hmm. like, play some recruit stuff, get the chests. If the gear sucks, you scrap it, and you can craft stuff at your level or slightly okay. above your level. Mm-hmm. So you can use that to kind of buffer it. You can use yeah, the Yeah, just a little bit of progression. Yeah, to kind of kickstart you. But I found that um, it, it mostly comes down to whether or not you're good at it. Because mm-hmm. um, even if you're under-leveled or underpowered, I guess I should say, um, but you're really good at the game, like... Uh, like knowing when to block, dodging left and right, like timing your attacks, sticking together as a group, using your items well, because the levels are the same every time, but the item spawns change, the enemy spawns change, and the bosses change in, in terms of what you're fighting and stuff. The objective, the end goal is always the same, but sometimes the path you have to take there is slightly different, and mm-hmm. so it switches up in a very Left for Dead-like way, where the enemy spawns are all random, item spawns are random, but the end goal is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it's really, really hard, so teamwork is really key, but when you win and when you finish, there's like this sense of relief and right. excitement because you know you at least get a chest for winning. And then if you level up, you're getting another chest. And the quality of the chest can increase based on how you do. So, mm. like, if you do quick play, that gives you a little bit extra. And that's just, like, match me up with randoms or play a random level um, if you already have a full party. Um yeah, it's just there's a lot, a lot going on there. Uh, a lot of do systems, you, but enough to wrap your head around. Do you still get stuff if you fail? So you still get XP if you fail, okay. based upon how far you are in the level. Okay. Um, and every level has three tomes and two grimoires. And the basic setup is you have a melee weapon and a ranged weapon. Some ranged weapons have ammunition. Some are on, like, a recharge system. Um, and then you have a potion and a utility potion like you have a a health item a utility potion and some form of a bomb and like those Mm -hmm. are your those are like the five things you carry Mm -hmm. if you pick up a tome you can no longer pick up health items you have to put the tome down to pick up a health item if you pick up a grimoire everybody's health bars are shortened um so it like takes off part of your health bar Mm -hmm. and you can the only way you can get rid of a grimoire is if you throw it and destroy it 
or if you die. But then your team isn't... So basically, the reason you're picking these things up is so that when you finish a level, you get better chests. Because right. it increases like the amount of that chest bar that's going up. Um, okay. So like by the end of the level, like if you, if you get all three tomes and two grimoires, all of the members of your team are at half their maximum health. Their new maximum is half their total health bar. And three of the four people cannot carry healing items. Because... Right. Because you can only carry one tome per person. So it's like this kind of, okay, everything we're picking up is is technically making this harder on us. Um, but the payout is going to be so much better. Uh, yeah. And it, it really, it it's such a tense game. Uh, and there's all these, I think audio is really important too. Like audio plays a really big role. Like bells will chime and that means there's a horde of rat men coming. And then sometimes a horn sounds and that means the chaos dudes are coming. Um, and sound is just so important because you also hear like whispering and this game like Left 4 Dead has the enemy types that and I think this is just bad game design um, they have the bullshit enemy types that are their function is to disable you as a player so your teammates have to help you okay so like in Left 4 Dead it's the hunter that jumps on you and yeah. scratches you and scratches you and you can't do anything about it unless someone helps you. And this one it's a hook rat that slowly drags you back through the level so your teammates are like trying to run after it and kill it and get you mm-hmm. um there's also an assassin that does the exact same thing as the hunter it jumps on you and starts stabbing you. Um yeah, it, it has those those bullshit enemy types that I think are bad game design mm-hmm. because like it means I have to stop playing. Uh, and like rely on my team and then like what if my whole team is down and i'm trying to get one of them up and then a hook rack gets me and then yeah. now i'm disabled and there's no way for me to get out of it so we yeah, wipe. and then just wipe yeah that sucks um so it has that which is i think my biggest knock against it is that those enemy types are included um i will say that since valve recently said that they're getting back in the business of making games they want to start mm-hmm. shipping games again the fact that this is so good has my hopes up that maybe we'll get like a Left 4 Dead three that maybe also implements some of this progression because I think okay. Left 4, I think Left 4 Dead from a formula level needs to innovate in yeah. order to stay relevant. Yeah. I don't think they could just release another Left 4 another Dead. one. Yeah. I don't think people would be as into that. Um, I mean, I think everybody would be super excited about it, but it wouldn't have the same. It wouldn't kind have of the t- legs. It, the, yeah, exactly. Right. It's, it's something else. Um, and I think I would say the only reason that people are still playing the Left 4 Dead games is because of the modding community. Right. I'd say that's the only reason people still play them. Um, and while there's validity to that, I think like if Valve wants people, if Valve would were to make a Left 4 Dead three, it would need something like this progression, um, in order to keep it keep it relevant um because i think this game does a phenomenal job of it so i mean it's 30 bucks on steam it's not it's it's half a full price game mm-hmm. uh, and i think part of the reason is because they're you can play it single player and it just fills in the other slots with bots and the bots aren't stupid like they're okay but mm-hmm. the real magic is playing with other people um it's most fun with people you know but i've played quite a few matches with randoms and it seems like most people are out to help out and like have yeah. a good run, yeah. Well, because I mean, because it sucks I mean, if when you, you if, wipe. If, if yeah, if you fail, you're not getting as much stuff. So right, you're not you don't get, get the chest. All you get is like half the XP you would yeah. get if you were to finish. And that then like takes down on people trying to troll. You know, right, just wasting time. Right, and like the tomes and grim- grimoires are really really hidden. 
mm-hmm. like they're almost impossible to find on your own. And so like playing with other people, different people know the locations of different tomes and grimoires. So mm-hmm. like, oh, I know where this one is. I'll be able to get this one and show them where it is. They know where a different one is in this level. So they're going to show me where that one is. So now I know where it is. Mm-hmm. And like it's like this kind of the sharing of information that's happening in this early days of the game that I don't, I don't think will exist for very long because right. eventually everyone will just know where everything is. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And it was, I, it was a good purchase. I'm, I'm glad I watched a little bit of gameplay and then decided to take a chance on it because we've, my friends and I have been having a really good time playing it. Um, is this a full release or is this early access? It's full release. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I'm, I'm playing Resident Evil Revelations 2 on the Switch. It's fine. Some parts aren't balanced well. It's, it's that game. Did you finish the first one? I did, yeah, I did. I did okay. beat the first one. I think yeah. maybe I talked about that last episode. I know you because I know you were playing both of them at the same time. I was just curious if you had beaten the first one. Yeah, I did beat the first one. Okay, now now, now I'm on the second one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I I um, you know, I bought all these new games a couple of weeks ago. We talked about this in the last episode, so I wanted to check out one of them. So I started Crossing Souls. Which okay. is the one where it's very Saturday morning cartoon style, right? Uh, in like the concept and kind of that animated cutscene, but the actual game is that you know like sixteen bit style side scroller. Yeah, the pixel um, art. Yeah, like a a little bit of, I would say it's more like Zelda exploration. It's not like RPG open world exploration, but it's like halfway there. And okay. then there are lots of kind of side scrolling, um, like Streets of Rage style beat 'em up you know, segments. And I would say the more Zelda stuff is very fun. Like I like running around the little town and there's a city area and talking to the characters, the white, the writing is all pretty witty, but the actual fighting I'm really not enjoying. Um, There are, I think there are five characters that you switch between just by pressing L1 and they all fight a little bit differently. Like, you know, the main dude has a bat and he can jump. And then there's like a big fat black kid who like, he does a lot more damage, but he's slower. And then there's the girl who has a whip and she kind of like glides as her evasive maneuver. So they all handle a little bit differently. Um, I don't know. Something's just not connecting with me about that. And so I was in a recent, you know, I'm only a couple hours in maybe two or three hours in, I'm at a section where it's like a long protracted side scrolling beat em up section where there's like, you know, a bunch of different sections and I died like three times on it. And I was kind of like, ah, I'm not getting that much out of this, uh, which bums me out because that initial hook of the story is like, it's fun. It's, it's dumb, but it's fun. I mean, it's this like Egyptian relic that these kids find that let them communicate and live in like the ghost world version of our world and that's Hmm. most of the enemies you're fighting are like ghost people okay um but the actual like combat stuff i just i'm not really finding it to be super well balanced um the enemies do a lot of damage and i don't know it's it's tough to there's that like when you dodge there's that half second where you can't move afterward and so the timing is something that i'm having troubles with and maybe i just i'm just bad at it but i'm not having that much fun so I don't know if I'm going to go back to it. We'll see. Um, okay. I also played a little game that came out last year. Uh, I got it for like two bucks on a PSN sale called Burly Men at Sea, which is a great name. That is a great name. And uh, I, I just watched the trailer for it because I was like, oh, this game's $2. If it doesn't look shitty, I might pick it up. And it's basically like 
a lightly interactive storybook is how I would describe it. So it's very appropriate for like kids, I would say. It's not a kiddie game necessarily. I still enjoyed it, but kind of the only interaction that you're doing is you use the right analog stick to kind of like move the camera. And so the characters will follow the camera and then you occasionally click on things. And that's kind of all you do. The rest Mm. of it is just the story of these three sailor brothers like trying to find adventures. Um, I don't know. It's just like a cute little experience. I mean, I I beat through the first run in maybe 40 minutes. Um, One of the cool things it does is it has these, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure almost where there are several breaking points throughout the whole game where you can do one thing or the other. And none of them, like you don't ever die. It just continues on to the next part, whether you succeed or fail. And so, kind of after you beat the game, it puts you back on this main hub island and you can like set out again on another adventure and make a different choice or do a different thing and see what other paths takes you on. Okay. And that's just like a fun, because the game's so short, that really works. I oh, haven't gone okay. back to it yet, but I probably will just to like see what some other things are. Cause it's like, I don't know that like there's one you like get swallowed by a whale. And so like you figuring out how to escape and then you meet like un- these underwater seals that turn you into seals so that you can swim underwater it's just like a cute odd game and it has a really nice storybook kind of visual style that that i really liked cool um so if you can get it for cheap i I definitely recommend that yeah and then finally as i was trying to find my next big game to play uh recently it was announced that the third tomb raider game shadow of the tomb raider is coming out in september and uh, I guess jumping ahead to the news. So they announced that, and they're having a big reveal event on on April 27th. So we'll get more information then. All we know now is that it's the new game, and it comes out in September. So I was like, hey, I should finally get around to playing Rise of the Tomb Raider. So sure. I started that. I have the whatever definitive or game of the year edition, whatever, or anniversary, whatever it's called, yeah. edition on PS4. And I'm, I'm, I'm only like two, maybe three hours in. It, it didn't really grab me at first and i think part of it's because it feels very similar to the first game which i just played last year just for fun okay um i mean it's it's perfectly good it's just i remember when this game came out and everybody being like oh they out uncharted uncharted Not and even it's fucking close, you know dude. like they they improved on the first game so much blah 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 and i'm just not really seeing that yet and i, I mean i'm still early on but to me like the only real difference is it's a slightly more expansive there are slightly more expansive areas to explore and there are like little side missions. And that's kind of the only difference I'm seeing. And I don't mean that to be like bad. I'm still having a good time with it. It seems like it's a quality game. It's just the reaction of people seems overblown to me because I play this and I'm like, this doesn't come close to doing what uncharted does as well as uncharted. Um, and I think part of that's because, like, the characters aren't as interesting. This game also, I actually think the cutscenes look worse than the first game. And I think that's, like, a visual fidelity, uncanny valley thing where it's, like, the characters all just look kind of ugly because they're so realistic looking that huh. it's, like, kind of hard to watch at times. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. It's just, I just don't see how this kind of redefines the third-person action adventure kind of game the way it that doesn't. some people said. So I I don't know it. I also I in the first game I was really not a fan of how it was kind of like borderline torture porn for Lara. Like just the they just like 
she's got the shit yeah. kicked out of her <laughs> every second the crap out and they of just her. she dies in the most gruesome way and that was kind of off-putting especially because i remember like one of the leaders of crystal dynamics came out and they were like we don't want you to identify with laura we want you to feel like you have to protect her and that's like it was a pretty sexist comment which really rubbed me the wrong way and this game feels like that too it's like Within the first 10 minutes, she's, like, falling down a fucking mountain, and then she gets punched, and just, like, she just gets the shit kicked out of her all the time, and it's just kind of off-putting to me. Sure. Um, But, I don't know. As a game, for what it's trying to do, it it does everything very well. It's just not as amazing as I think some people have said. Yeah. Yeah. so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm certainly going to keep playing it. I'm liking it enough to keep playing it. I'm sh- I'm I'm going to see it through so that I can play Shadow of the Tomb Raider when it comes out this year. Um, but it's not blowing me away the the way that it did some pe- people. Yeah, I don't remember um, if I actually beat it or not. I feel like I did, but that might have just been the first game. I don't know. Yeah, and, I remember and there I being did... this big beach area with a ship, a boat. That is the first game. <laughs> That's the first game. Yes. Okay. I mean, there might be another one in the second game. I don't know. But that was definitely in the first game. Yeah, I don't know. The second game, and I'm sure it changes as you go, but I think it takes place in Russia in the mountains. And it's so it's all wintry. Oh. And so that is it's a little samey, same way as like Frozen Wilds was, where there's the occasional more wooded area, occasional like, you know, there's not snow everywhere area, but it's mostly there's snow everywhere. Yeah. And that just kind of gets like, all right, I'm sick of watching her shiver. You yeah, know, so I got you. Um, you watching anything? Um, only thing I really watched is um, I did watch both series of the Frankenstein Chronicles with Sean Bean. Okay. Um, I th- he is f- phenomenal in this show. He's mm-hmm. so good. Um, and it ha- I think it has a pretty decent supporting cast, with a couple of exceptions. Um, the pacing's kind of all over the place, though. Uh, and they reuse a lot of shots in a very serialized TV kind of way. How they're, like they're calling back to previous shots and episodes a lot. Okay. Um, but like uh, upon having finished it, I now recognize some more of the significance of those shots they were using. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think binge watching it, it can get a little bit much. It can get hmm. to be a bit much. Um. I really like the second season a lot more than the first, and I thought like I think they like kind of left it in a decent place where I would be interested in seeing if they were to pick it up for a third series, okay. um, but also like they could end it there and I would still feel satisfied. Gotcha, that's so, good. Yeah, and I, but I it's thought, worth like, checking out. I think so because because yeah. Sean Bean is so good in it. Yeah, he's he's awesome. really good. Mm. Yeah, I I, th- I think it's I think it's worth it, but like I I wouldn't recommend you binge watch it i would do like an episode at a time maybe two at most sure okay yeah i mean i'm it's weird i feel like i've gotten away from binge watching in the traditional sense like will if kelly and i are watching a show like hey if there's 13 episodes we'll try to get through that in like a week and a half but i'm not i never take like a whole saturday and just watch seven episodes of something yeah i think just because like I just feel like I want to do multiple things during the weekend so that I feel right. like I've gotten something out of it. Is that, sure. that makes sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's just, I just, I'm not, I'm not binging stuff the way that I used to. Um, but I have been watching some more Lost. I do watch, I watch like one episode of Lost a day, just about. I'm okay. a couple episodes into season three now. 
and it's it's we're on the edge. We're on the edge now. I'm just yeah. starting to not care as much about like the mystery and every like the new stuff they're introducing. It's not it's not hooking me as much. Um, and there's there was a moment in like a couple episodes ago where like Sawyer was getting beat up by some dude and he's and he's like the dude that's beating up Sawyer he's like yelling at Kate like do you love him do you love him and she's like yes I love him stop hitting him and I was just like oh I don't care like, I don't give a shit about this at all so yeah and also the episode I just watched this morning Echo died and he was like a character that I really liked the huge Echo. black dude yeah Echo um, and I just I really liked him because he was just a fun imposing presence that yeah. really underused his character. His great and then, like, crazy eyes. Yeah, and, and they just like kill him and it's very underwhelming and he yeah. doesn't really have an impact on anything when he dies. It's just, I don't know, it's kind of a wet fart way to send him out. Yeah, and I felt like he, the story with his um, is, is it his brother? Yeah. yeah. Priest, I, I felt yeah. like that, like it didn't have a good wrap up. Right. Like, that didn't have like a nice conclusion at least Yeah. before he went. And it's so weird, man. Like, looking at these early seasons before we get explanations for stuff, there's so much supernatural shit that's happening. And some of it they explain away with science later on. But there's still, like... Yeah, there's that, still like, some of it that they don't. That they don't explain. And I don't know. I just... I'm curious to see once I get to the end again, like, having the foresight to be paying attention to those details, if I feel more or less satisfied with how things wrap up than I did the first time through. Well, it's sense? because, like, they don't explain some of it with science because the other half of it is God stuff. Right. Yeah, but but that, but they don't explain that. They don't, and I'm not saying you need to give me facts to justify right. the mysticism, but there still needs to be, I don't know, it just can't be, you, you can't do some, like, weird shit where they're seeing a vision and all these characters have all these visions, and then that's it. They just had visions. The end. Like, give me some sort of justification or meaning behind it other than it's a storytelling device besides the flashbacks that we yeah. use 80,000 like, fucking times every episode. Like, you can't just have Jack see his dad all the time and, like, his and dad, it. his dad's body is actually not in the coffin. So right. is, his, is his body reanimated or is it a vision or what is it? Yeah. Like, yeah, you can't just, yeah. like... Just, Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. They're <laughs> all dead. Science and God. <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know, man. Lost is a pretty terrible show in the later seasons, but boy, that first season was really good. Yeah. And now I'm stuck watching, like, 40 more episodes. <laughs> I can't believe I did this to myself, but maybe, maybe I'll get something out of it, maybe. Uh, so, last episode, I had mentioned that we were still watching Godless, and we had watched, like, the first four episodes... I was wrong. We had actually only seen the first two episodes, <laughs> which is pretty telling to how I feel about Godless. And I think part of it's because the episodes are very long. Like most they of are. them are like an hour and 20 minutes. Like that's a long episode. Right. They're like, so we, it's a bunch of smaller movies. Right. So we watched the third episode and then we were getting ready to start the fourth one. And we were like, you know what? We're not enjoying this. We force ourselves to watch stuff too much, and I want to stop doing that. I'm just not... I just don't like this show, so we stopped watching it. And it bums me out, because I really, really wanted to like it. I know you really liked it. We have some friends that, like, kept raving about it, and it just didn't do anything for me. And maybe part of it's because of not connecting with Jeff Daniels, and I don't right. know. It's just... 
it felt very, very slow, and I just didn't find a lot of the characters to be that interesting. The only character I really liked was the deputy kid, who he's this British actor. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He played Jojen Reed on Game of Thrones. He's like the younger, skinny kid who like he's really good with the guns. Yeah. He's the only character I really liked, but then there was, like, a side story where, like, oh, he's pretending to take violin lessons from this African-American girl because he's into her, and, like, there's this really long scene with that, and I was just going, I don't fucking care. I don't know. It just didn't enjoy the show, unfortunately. Um, Um, So, we're done watching Godless. Do you want to know what happens to that kid? Um, I'm not going to, I won't say it on here, but I can text it to you if you want to know what happens to that guy. No, I don't think so. Because okay. if the show if the show continues into a season two, like we may want to go back and try it again. Um, okay. So I don't I don't know that I want to like ask for spoilers. If I get spoiled, I get spoiled. But okay. Yeah, I don't know. It, it. I I never go into a show not wanting to like it. You know what I mean? And so it always bums me out when something doesn't connect with me the way that I want it to. Right. I hear you. Uh, but instead, we watched The Handmaid's Tale. Which is a Hulu original that won Best Drama and like 8 million other Emmys last year. Uh, Kelly had started watching it like last year when it first came out. She watched the first couple episodes and then just fell off. And so she was starting it the other night. And I was like, hey, I've been wanting to watch this too. If you're going to restart it, let's watch it together. And she's actually, she just listened to the audiobook as well. So she has like all the context of the audiobook. And it was Uh really funny because... A lot of stuff changes from the book to the show, as typically happens. Yeah. And so while we were watching it, because we watched the whole first season, as we're watching it, she keeps like wanting to tell me about how stuff is different in the book compared to the show, and like, oh, this happened in the book. It didn't happen like, here. Shut up. Oh, let's character. watch it. But it was funny because <laughs> I was like, like, I, and it, it would get annoying at times. But I recognized that this you must have been how she too. felt. When she watches stuff with me, right. yes. Like, especially when we watch Game of Thrones, I'm like, oh, God, if I find this to be annoying every once in a while, one season of one show, I can't imagine what it's like for this poor girl being married to me. Yeah. And, like, the whole time, like, watching The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings, Tom yeah. fucking Bombadil! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to be more sensitive to that moving forward, hopefully. Sure. No, um, just be a hypocrite. Well, yeah, sure. Why not? But... I mean, if, if anybody doesn't know, kind of the basic concept, which I think is really, really cool. I'm a huge fan of real-world settings that, like, something has changed to make it very unreal world. So in this one, it is basically the vast majority of women become infertile. And there's a small portion of women that can still have children. And even them, like, a lot of them have birth defects, etc., And so there's this cult that is built from Christianity, but they're very out there in how they look at the Bible. They use that as an opportunity to like, it. it's not super explained, but it seems like they killed, like they had this terrorist attack where they killed a bunch of American leadership and basically like took over the country. And so now the United States, which is no longer called the United States, is run by this cult. And so they have essentially enslaved these fertile women called handmaids and they're essentially like concubines for the leadership of this cult so the men like have their normal wives who are infertile and then they have this like 
slave woman that they have sex with as part of this ceremony. And it's supposed to be like they aren't allowed to make eye contact. It's a very religious whatever to impregnate them and keep the species alive in in the former United States. And that's like a really fucking rad concept for a show. I will say that I have two main issues with the concept that seem to be a problem from the book. The book was written in the 80s, and it was just one novel that was written, and there's not really a resolution to the problem. It's all from this perspective of one handmaid, and kind of like she goes through this experience, and then she gets captured by this group of people, and you don't know if, like, are they going to set her free? Are they going to punish her? And that just, the book just ends. And, I mean, obviously, this is all secondhand information from Kelly, obviously, but... I mean, it's very dark. There's not a real, like, story about it. Um, And so I think as part of that, when you turn it into a television show, it's necessary to make things have a lot longer of a tale, more opportunities for stories, more characters, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you also, because of the time investment, requires a lot more background, a lot more explanation for this universe that you discover over time versus a book can really leave stuff. Like if Lost was a book, it'd be a lot more interesting <laughs> than if it was a show. Sure. So part of the two, two problems that I'm having with the show based on the concept is one, like the assumption is that the vast majority of quote unquote Americans still live in this country. Like some of them escaped to other countries or like up to Canada, whatever, but the vast majority of people still live in America underneath these cult leaders. And part of what I'm having the problem is like, there are so many dudes with guns that are like in the military and people that go about their lives that are totally okay. And like buy into this religious hullabaloo and like they buy into this cult methodology of like this is the only way to get god's forgiveness and make women fertile again i just have a hard time believing that this many people would believe that because it's completely absurd well it's not that they believe it it's that they go along with it because it isn't it's what keeps them alive it isn't it's they believe it like it's very clear that there are lots i mean other than the handmaids who know the shit that they're in, most of the other people that they come across that are like in this cult, the soldiers and guards and whatever, they all very clearly like buy into this religion. Huh. And I just have a hard time believing that that many people would be okay with this bullshit. Right. And that kind of expands to the world because the world is also impacted by this. Like their women can't get pregnant either, but they know or at least have an assumption that bad shit is happening in in this country and it's not just the handmaids like anybody that doesn't follow this very strict religious doctrine that they have they just fucking kill you or they send you to quote unquote the colonies and torture you and do all this other bad shit and so people try to escape to Canada or wherever else and it's very clear like they they do a good job of expanding the show and cuz the 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 main commander, the leader guy that our handmaid is with, he's like super high ranking. You find out he's like one of the originators of this cult. They never call it a cult, obviously, but it is. Um, so he's super high ranking and he mentions like, oh, the delegates from Mexico are here to kind of look at our world because they like 
part of their belief is they make everything green. And so like, they don't want to use a lot of stuff with emissions and they focus a lot on farming and just like culture. And it's supposed to be all this positive, nice stuff when really they're just torturing thousands of people in order to get what they want. And I just have a hard time buying that other countries wouldn't fucking invade America and like stop this shit. The UN would be all over our asses. Yeah. And they, they make a mention (laughs) of the UN of like, Oh, we're, you know, they're trying to make it harder for us to trade, whatever else. And like, that's all fine. It's like they, uh, they're attempting to build explanation for why fucking Europe hasn't nuked the country or whatever. (laughs) I just don't believe it. I just don't believe that these other countries would be okay with what is happening. And not that that would solve the problem because you look at our modern world, like a country like Iraq who treats their women so poorly and it's, you know, this it's run by the military and blah, blah, blah. And it's not like we've gone on there and fixed all the problems, but we're there. We're there. Other countries are there and that's not happening here. And it's very clear that, you know, these leaders don't allow that to happen, but that makes it even worse. Like, there would be something more happening than what is happening, which is nothing. So I don't know. It like it sounds like I'm making a big deal out of these things, but it's it's two like conceptual problems that I have with the show that make it hard for me to totally buy into the circumstances. Sure. All that said, the show's fucking incredible, and I'm not shocked that it won all these Emmys. Elizabeth Moss is the lead actress, and she's just like so amazing and like dark but also powerful and it's so cool because the style of the film because of this religious piece like it's very puritanical times like the handmaids all wear these like red robes and hoods and the wives all wear these like very conservative blue dresses and it takes place in modern day like right now it's happening now and so elizabeth moss's character she has this like inner monologue where like She's cussing and using modern slang and stuff. But then when she's actually talking to people, she's like, oh, may the Lord bless you. Like, it's all yeah. it's just this really cool yeah. dichotomy of the show uh, that that super works for me. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, it's a really awesome show. It, it moves pretty slowly. I think there are like 10 episodes in the first season. And there's not a ton of narrative. It's more setting up the world and the circumstances for our main character. And then she discovers that there's like, there's a hidden resistance and she's trying to figure out how to get in touch with them, that kind of thing. But that's kind of background. It's more just like what she does on a daily basis and that kind of shit that she deals with, yeah. which works. When I say it moves slowly, like it literally moves slowly. The show is obsessed with like 0.75 slow-mo like every single fucking shot is in 0.75 slow-mo and that makes it feel like a grind at times yeah we're like you know there was a scene where the commander and the handmaid are in this room together and like she said something and he's like come over here and it takes like two minutes of screen time for her to stand up and walk over and sit down because it keeps doing like different angles and it's her face and then she's walking in slow-mo and then you watch his face watching her move and then it cuts back to her and then there's a wide shot of her sitting and then they sit there and look and i'm just like okay fucking say what you're gonna say so <laughs> is this yeah. a netflix or uh it's hulu it's, it's a, a hulu, hulu original yeah 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 but I mean, it's it's super super awesome. I was gonna it's say a- if it was made for TV, then like I don't know, maybe they they booked 
the ad slots beforehand, <laughs> and they're like, oh, no. we, well, shit, we won't, we only have like forty nine minutes and thirty eight seconds. Right, we got to make this get last four, fifty minutes and thirty seconds. <laughs> right, like, that would have been an explanation. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I'm shitting on it a little bit, but it's it's a really incredible show. I'm super into it, and uh, we watched some like teasers for the second season, which I think comes out in like April. And man, it looks fucking awesome. The second season is gonna be bonkers. So. I'm looking forward to that. I'm glad we. Uh, I'm glad Kelly wanted to rewatch it with me. Nice. Finally, on the TV side, we were bored one night and wanted to watch some stand up, so we watched Chelsea Peretti. She has a Netflix um, stand up set called One of the Greats. Do you know who Chelsea Peretti is? I know the name. I bet if I saw so, her, I'd recognize her. Yeah. So she. I mean. She's kind of like one of the up-and-comers right now. She's on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the show with Andy Samberg, which okay. I have not seen. Me neither. I have some friends that are, like, obsessed with Chelsea Pretty and think she's hilarious. And I haven't really seen her do that much. And so we saw this. I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. Um, I mean, like, it's it's good. She's, she's very funny. There are a lot of good bits. It's weird to, like, I can't really, like, review a stand-up set. Sure. Um, but Did it, it I make mean, you laugh? It, yeah, absolutely. And Done. there are there are so many Netflix stand up sets. They add like six every week. Yeah. That's kinda hard to like sift through. So if people like that, I do recommend Chelsea Peretti, one of the greats. That's about the only thing I can add about it. Right. There is this weird like it's not fourth wall breaking. Well, it kinda is. We're like normally in a stand up set, they'll do these cutaways to the audience laughing. That's like a very common thing they do. Yeah. And in this She'll cut away and it's random shit. So like she'll cut away and there's like a dog in the audience or like she cut away once and there's like a clown laying down seductively. And another one, like she's in the middle of a joke and it cuts away to this dude who's like walking in the audience with a leaf blower blowing. And he's just like leaf blowing in the middle of the the, the audience. And she, and she like stops this and she's like, hey, like. Do you, do you need to, can you do this some other time? And he's like, oh yeah, sorry. And then like, he walks away. <laughs> and then she's back to the middle of her bit. And it's like, it's just fucking weird. But like, cool, I guess. Like, it works. Uh, so yeah, Chelsea Pretty, one of the greats. It's pretty good. Really quick, two movies. Um, so I mentioned last episode that I, we were going to watch Lady Bird before the Oscars. We did watch Lady Bird. It was my picture. It was my pick for best picture for this year. I'll say that much. It didn't win, obviously. Shape of Water won, which is some bullshit. That movie was not awesome, um, but it's really good. Lady Bird's very good. It's like a mother daughter coming of age, very like hipster millennial style. She's a rebel, like she calls herself Lady Bird, all that kind of thing, which normally would be a bit off putting to me because I hate people like that. Me too. But, um, one of the things, and it was interesting, more interesting watching it with Kelly being a girl, and like a girl's relationship with her mom is much different than a guy's relationship with her with his mom. And she was just like, it just felt so real. And not that she experienced a lot of the same stuff, because like Kelly wasn't like a big rebel person, uh, and her mom, like the mom in this, is like super emotionally abusive. Like she doesn't ever say a single positive thing to her daughter ever. And that was certainly not Kelly's mom. She's one of the nicest people on the planet. Right. But Kelly was just like, it just, the relationship feels real. The the dialogue feels real. There's one um, scene in particular that jumped out where like, I don't remember what the, what they're talking about, but the lady bird is like complaining about something. And the mom's like being really harsh and like 
saying bad shit about her and randomly pulls out a dress because they're shopping for prom. And then like in the middle of nothing, like they're arguing about how much they hate each other. And then in the middle of it, Lady Bird goes like, oh my God, I love that dress. And she's like, yeah, let's go try it on. And like, it's just a very abrupt break from the fight to talk about this cute dress. <laughs> and Kelly was just like, oh my God, that's so true to life. So I don't know. It's all right. I'm, yeah. And like, <laughs> I don't get it. Doesn't sure. I don't get it, but sure. I, it, it feels real to me. Like the dialogue feels very natural and the relationships feel real. Um, so one other little note I made, which was, I just thought was fun. So in the film, she has two different boyfriends at different times. One of whom is played by Lucas Hedges, who uh, last year was in Manchester by the sea. And he was nominated for best supporting actor in that. This year, he's also a small role in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which was nominated for Best Picture. Right. And then her other boyfriend is played by a dude named Timothy Chalamet. I think it's French. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing his last name right. Who, he was also this year in Call Me By Your Name, which was nominated for Best Picture. And he was nominated for Best Actor. And so it's just interesting that Lady Bird's, like, both of her boyfriends are Oscar-nominated actors who were also in other Oscar-nominated films this year. It's just like... Interesting. It, fe- it feels like... The in- it made the industry feel very small yeah. to me at the time. Um, so yeah, it's a good film. What isn't a good film <laughs> is the Netflix original called Mute, which is directed by Duncan Jones, who... He directed Moon a couple years ago with Sam Rockwell, which to me is like one of the biggest Oscar snubs ever. Sam Rockwell should have been nominated for that film. It's an absolutely amazing movie, Kyle. You would love it. It's, I mean, Sam Rockwell, he goes to the moon and he's living by himself for several years. And I don't want to spoil it, but like, I mean, it's basically a one person show. Like he's the only character in it. Essentially, there's a, uh, like an AI that talks to him occasionally, but the movie gets really fucking weird dealing with like, AI and clones and etc. It's fucking great. You should watch it. Okay. But since then, he directed, um, oh shit, the World of Warcraft movie, Ooh. which I know didn't set the world on fire. And then he's done this. He also did Source Code with Jake Gyllenhaal, which was also shitty. Mm. And then he did Mute, which I think is terrible. So now I'm like, oh fuck, was he a one at wonder? Maybe like, he can he only handle one actor movie. at a time. Who what? Maybe he can only handle one actor at a time. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Or maybe it's just Sam Rockwell makes him better than he is. <laughs> but um it the movie is terrible. I was watching it and in the story it got to a point where I was like, "Oh, I feel like we're in the third act, like I maybe have 20 minutes left." I paused it to go to the bathroom and I realized I had an hour and 20 minutes left. Ooh. And then I turned it off. And it was it's just fucking bad it's like the worst kind of knockoff blade runner style that you could have and it's called mute because the main character he doesn't speak and it's um i think alexander skarsgård is the actor's name and he's just like really overacting, like over emoting because he doesn't speak it's just bad it's just a bad fucking movie it has 13 percent on rotten tomatoes Ouch. and it definitely earns that um can't recommend it Paul Rudd is in it. He plays like a side character. And even he's not that good because the writing's bad and like his jokes feel very forced. So it sucks. It's <laughs> shitty. And that bums me out because I loved the visual style and I was like, hey, maybe Duncan Jones can hit it again after doing Moon. And he didn't. So I don't have a ton of faith in Duncan Jones anymore at this point. Ouch. So yeah. I mean, that's everything I've been watching and playing and stuff. You have anything else before we dive into some news? I do not. Cool. So, 
first story, and I feel like every episode we start with a story about like microtransactions and net neutrality and loot boxes. It's the big stuff. So here's man. another one. So what's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, it is. So uh, I just found this to be very fascinating. So the state of Washington has passed a law to maintain net neutrality. So we talked about this last episode that the current end date for net neutrality is April. I think like the 23rd or something. Um, but ne- the state of Washington has now said, middle finger to the federal government, we're keeping it here in our state. And apparently a bills have been proposed for a similar kind of uh, legislation in California, Massachusetts, and New York, which this makes sense. These are all high population states that are also very liberal. Right. So it makes sense that they'd fight back against this more, you know, Republican driven capitalist driven, uh, law that is being repealed. Right. I didn't even know that this was okay. Like that states could do that, that they could say like, no, fuck you. We're states keeping can it. Do whatever the fuck they want. They just have to be willing to lose certain government fundings. Um, Yes, but this isn't this isn't really open defiance against like Trump or the administration or whatever. Obviously, it is defiant, right? But this isn't them saying this isn't just them being like, no, we're illegally going to ignore your law. They can legally say, right. no, we're keeping net neutrality here. So it's not like they're not breaking the rules by doing this. This is allowed. Well, yeah, because the repeal of net neutrality doesn't say that every state has to allow this or whatever it's mm-hmm. net neutrality was like no company blanket statement fe- on the federal level no company can like throttle connections and prioritize uh connections and stuff and so like when they take that back that's not also inserting something in its place that says hey everyone has to allow this so right. like as long as that doesn't exist then yeah i mean states can totally step in and handle it themselves sure and there's also another wrinkle to this where uh i mean last i read which was like last week there's a bill currently in the senate to uh repeal the bill that repealed that neutrality sure. and right now it's Sounds one like vote short it's one, one vote, vote short, short because the Republicans have the majority in the Senate and they're the ones that push this bill through and the one, the bill being proposed to repeal the repeal of net neutrality is Democrat driven. And this just yet again highlights what I was talking about last episode of like our two party system. The two party system doesn't fucking work. It doesn't work because like all the Republicans are going to vote for what the Republicans say. All the Democrats are going to vote for what the Democrats say. And there are very few exceptions to that ever. And so whichever brand or whichever party has the majority, they just do what they want every single time. Cause there's nothing the other side can do. Right. And it's just like, that just fucking sucks. And there's like, I don't know. I, I see a lot more States instituting this by state, you know, legislation to keep net neutrality, but it's going to be the liberal states. It's not going to be the conservative states because they don't want to go against the conservative Senate because then they lose their jobs, etc. It's, I mean, there are so many things to get into about this. The fact that being a politician should not be a career. Like it shouldn't be like being a Senator should not be like, once I get in, I need to stay in for the rest of my career because then it's more about getting reelected than it is doing anything. Right. And I don't know. It's just like, the way you have to schmooze to move up. And so, like, if you're a state senator, you don't want to go against your federal senators in your state because you want to be replacing them someday. It's just, the whole fucking thing sucks. Burn it all down. 
There should be it's no terrible. government. There should be no leaders. <laughs> it should be um, everyone for it themselves. Should, it should be a religious cult that comes in and tells us what to do, and they can torture all. Yeah, that's what we really need. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that there's your like actual impactful news story for the episode, and now we can get to the good shit, some more trivial video game stuff. So uh, Nintendo had their had a recent Nintendo Direct. Right. Did you watch this, Kyle? Did you see like videos and stuff coming? I didn't watch it. I didn't bother watching any videos. I just I saw the news that was being announced. Right. Um, Yeah, I didn't watch it live. I watched you know all the trailers and whatnot. Yeah, I would say uh, the vast majority of all of it I don't care about except for one thing, which I'm assuming is new Smash Brothers. No, Smash sucks. Fuck Smash. You are crazy. You are crazy. Smash Brothers, all right, any fighting game, it sucks. It's awful. That's my opinion. Smash Brothers is barely a fighting game. Right. But, like, it's still terrible. It's still awful. It's good. Super Smash Brothers Melee is... That's all my friends ever wanted to play, and I never wanted to play it, and I had to play it because that's what they were going to play. If I fucking hate that game. I'm, I'm working on a top 100 games of all time list. I have, like, my current draft that I put together this last week. And I believe Melee is like a top twenty-five game. That's a, it's a good video game. If I had a worst one hundred games of all time that I have played, it would be on it. <laughs> nice. Yep. <laughs> but hey, there's a new Smash coming. Get excited, Kyle, because we're gonna like, talk. about I'm sure it. some people will feel, will be very excited about this. Some people, most people, people with good taste. I'm sure you people. We'll be yes. excited about it. I'll, You're I'll damn that. right. And I'll, I'll say it that way, too. You people. You people. Um, and I'm sure they'll sell a lot of Amiibos. Amiibo. Am- amiibo. It's like a- Amoeba. There's no plural version. Amoebixen. <laughs> Amoebixen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a new Smash. There's a trailer. They didn't like announce the super t- uh, title. They said it's coming out in 2018, which I do not for one second believe. Uh, unless it's like a remaster of... Brawl from the or uh, yeah from the Wii U that was the Brawl one or that was the Wii U one right Super Smash Brothers Brawl sure that sounds right um, no that was Brawl was on the Wii Super Smash Brothers Wii U was the one on the Wii U oh so it could right. be a mass remaster of that who knows right. but in the trailer they they show um, Squid Girl and Squid Boy from Splatoon so they're gonna be playable characters and then they show like a bunch of shadowed characters which. The one, I mean, obviously they show Mario and they show Link. I think those are the only two they actually show. But then looking at the other characters, there are like, I watched a, or I saw a bunch of YouTube videos of like, let's figure out what all these characters are. And I think that's kind of lame. But the ones that I saw for sure, Mario and Link, which is the Breath of the Wild Link, which is cool. I saw Bowser and Samus, Donkey Kong, Pikachu, Fox, Sheik. And then some sort of Fire Emblem character, if it's Marth or Roy or whoever. Um, those are the ones that like I definitely knew I saw. And all those make sense. They've been in like every Smash. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of other characters that we've already... like. I'm sure like... Um, I don't know, like maybe Falco could be in it or Toon Link or whatever else. Characters that are in all of them. But um, I don't know. I, I'm excited for it. I wanted to talk about what characters you'd like to see in it, but I'm guessing none. I don't want to hear the word Smash Brothers ever again. Ugh, that that bums me out. I didn't realize you hated it so much. I with a fervor, and because like every time my friends get together, like yeah, we should play Smash, and I'm like, I will, f- I do not want to be here if you guys are playing that game because me so much of my life was wasted 
having to get my ass beaten by those guys in Smash <laughs> because I, I'm not good at it and right. I don't like it and I didn't want to be good at it. And so I was just Pikachu down being the entire time. I remember that. I remember you else. doing Pikachu and being super annoying whenever we would play. Yep. I mean, we I played a ton with my high school friends too, and we had one one of our group was amazing at it, and so all he did was try to troll people. He would either play as Jigglypuff and make you fall asleep, and then like do the Jigglypuff roll on you all the time, or he would play as Donkey Kong and throw you off the edge. That was the only thing he ever did, and it was super annoying. I'm gonna take a wild guess. Mm-hmm. Greg. No. Josh. Oh. Josh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you not remember I, Josh? Long hair, long blonde hair. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Got yeah. him. Yeah. He's in my brain space now. So he, Got yeah, him. he he was easily the best. Like the rest of us were on all fairly level footing. Like if because we would always trade off controllers, obviously four people at a time. And if Josh was playing, Josh would win. But if Josh wasn't playing, it was anybody's game, and that made it more fun. Um, okay. I usually I played a lot as Link. I liked Link a lot. I'm trying to remember. I did like Pikachu. I liked Fox a lot. I, I mean, I played as some of the more newbie characters, probably. Like, legit Smash people would probably stare down their nose at my characters. But I enjoyed it. It's a good yeah. game. Well, who, One of the what, greatest games what of all characters time. would you like to see, Shay? Thanks for the setup, buddy. I appreciate it. that. <laughs> Even though you're not going to care. So we don't, you, we don't need I, to spend time on the it. The people but, listening might care. I think Bayonetta makes sense, who would be a really yeah, cool I character to that, have. Yeah. Um, people have talked a lot about since the Crash Bandicoot trilogy is coming to Switch now, about potentially Crash being in the game. Because they've done third-party characters before, like, you know, um, Solid Snake was in it, Sonic was in it, Pac-Man. So I, I have a hard see. time seeing Crash just because he was in that, I think Crash was in that Sony game. What was the Sony he was not. version? He was not in the Sony oh, Smash Bros. He yeah, wasn't? Uh, Sony PlayStation All Stars. Yeah, he was not Crash in that was. game. Oh, okay. No, they, they couldn't get the rights from Activision because Activision owns um, Crash now. Ah. Because they also own Spyro, and until recently, like nobody thought Spyro was ever going to be back. And now there's a rumor about we're going to get the trilogy, etc. Um, so like, I don't I think see... that was confirmed actually. Like today. Oh really? I didn't see a news story about it. But if if um, it is. Cool. Yeah, Nintendo America just announced Spyro the Dragon Treasure Trilogy coming to Nintendo Switch and other platforms holiday 2018. Hell yeah, I'm down to play that. Breaking yeah, news. <laughs> <laughs> breaking on the day of recording, not breaking right. for when people are listening. When, yeah. when, is that, when is that dated? 15th of March, so well, was actually it was a couple ago. days ago. Well, then I missed that story. I apologize. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'll definitely play that. But I think Crash would be a good fit. Uh, um... Amaterasu, who is the wolf from Okami, I thought would be a good character. Mm. Um, they haven't really... They've ported Okami. I think they're bringing it to Switch now. Actually, they are because it was part of this Direct where they okay. said that they're bringing it um, the, to the Switch eShop. So I thought that that would make sense. Um, other characters I'd like to see, Shovel Knight. We already saw a 3D Shovel Knight in Ukulele. He like makes a little appearance in Ukulele. So they could use the 3D version, or they could keep them 2D pixelated. But there's a Shovel Knight Amiibo, so there's already like a lot of crossover with Nintendo. He'd be a really cool character. I'd like to see Diddy Kong. I just, I'm just A lot of people hate Diddy Kong, but I always liked him. I think he'd be fun and obviously very different from Donkey Kong. He's a small one with a red hat. Yeah. Yeah, I like Diddy. Yeah, Diddy Kong's cool. 
Uh, Waluigi, I thought would be a fun character because he's number one. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> um, another one that I've seen a lot of people talking about. I'm not super familiar with No More Heroes, but people have said Travis Touchdown would be a good one. He's got like a big sword, lightsaber kind of thing. Um, okay. I personally would like to see Wonder Wonder Red from Wonderful 101. I can't imagine they would give a shit about him because no one gave a shit about that game when it came out. Right. Because he's like a big superhero thing. That could be a fun, a fun thing. And then off that... Same game creator, I think. I would love to see Beautiful Joe in Super Smash. Because Beautiful be Joe cool. is one of the all-time great video game characters. He's a <laughs> badass. And they were on GameCube. I would imagine they'd be able to get the rights to include him. And, and he'd be a really cool fighter. Um, obviously, we're going to see a bunch of new Pokemon, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but I'd also like to see Simon Belmont. Castlevania, obviously. Yeah. Bomberman would be a good fit. Um Bubsy, I put just because it'd be uh, fucking weird. And what they could did, possibly go wrong? <laughs> there, there was that recent Bubsy game, which I guess was atrocious, was a but disaster. People are talking about Bubsy, and Bubsy 3D came out a couple years ago. Which but was people a fun aren't talking game. about Bubsy in a good way, Shay. <laughs> yeah, but it would still like they had At, uh, like this is what people that talking about Bubsy. This is what they say. Hey, remember that shitty fucking Bubsy <laughs> game? <laughs> Yeah, but uh, in what it was, it was Brawl. They had, um, oh shit, what was that Nintendo robot with the SNES? Oh, what was um, that thing called? Oh, uh, Rob. Yes, yes, something Rob, something Rob. But yes, yeah. he was, an, and everybody fucking hated that thing too. They could put Bubsy. Yeah, in this but game. it was a fu- he was like at least a novelty. Like, yeah. he was like, here's this, like, SNES robot thing that, yeah, it's stupid, but it's right. a toy and it's a novelty. Bubsy was just a trash fire from the moment of conception. Yeah. Let me gather these yarn balls. I liked the Bubsy game when it came out. I mean, I was a kid. I didn't know any better. But that I just banged Sega. my head against it so much. I still have <laughs> yeah. it on Sega Genesis. I have the yeah. Sega Genesis copy of Bubsy in yep. one of those generic see-through blue cases. <laughs> right. Uh, what could possibly go wrong? I think a character from ARMS makes sense. And I haven't sure. played ARMS, but, I mean, they have the long boxing kind of thing. I think that makes sense. And then the final one that I would like to see, which would be really cute, is Ai from Super Monkey Ball. I think would be a really okay. fun character to be in there. Um, so that's my dream list for the new Super Smash Brothers game, whatever the hell it's. Super Smash Brothers Switch, we'll call it. Uh, so yeah, I would I would say Beautiful Joe and Bayonetta are like my top two. I think that makes sense to be in there. I kind of hope they call it Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> the snap. Click sound. Yeah, that's a good sound. It is that, great like, sound. That, that's the little. That's that's up there thing. next to the M1 Garand ping. That's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, and, and like even thinking about all time console sounds, like that's a good one. It it's is. like Sega. You have That's and iconic. you have the GameCube. The and if you hold the Z button, it's the monkey. Right. Yeah. A little kid laughs. Some really good. Some good video game, but not recently. Sounds until the Switch. Right. But I mean, the Wii had some truly amazing like menu music though. Yes. Like not boot up, but menu right. music. Yes, absolutely. Because most of it is more ambient. Like, thinking about the PS3, PS4, it's that, like, yeah. ambient background music. There's not really, like, a console, yeah. you know, articulate and that's like, sound. That's cool future stuff, but right. it's not, like, the heart and soul, my childhood. Yeah, absolutely. 
It's not the uh, stuff dreams are made of, man. <laughs> so what from the direct are you excited about then? Um, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Okay, coming to coming Switch. Coming to Switch with like new levels and stuff. Yeah. It's I coming, really like um, that game on Wii U. It comes in July 13th. And I'll definitely play it because I didn't have a Wii U. So they're actually bringing a lot of Wii U games to the Switch. I'm not sure yeah. if I was a Wii U owner that I'd be super happy about that. I'd feel like maybe I wasted my money. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is coming in July, July 13th. And it has like Super Mario Odyssey levels, which I think is fun. Yeah. Um, they're also bringing Hyrule Warriors to Switch in May 18th. And then uh, what other stuff? So it's some other stuff that's coming to Switch. So we mentioned the Crash Trilogy is coming uh, in 2018. South Park Fracture But Whole is coming to Switch April 24th. They're bringing Undertale to Switch. No release date yet. And then uh, I mentioned the Okami HD is coming to the eShop in the summer. And then um, they also gave a release date for Octopath Traveler, which is right. the new I forgot about that. new like classic style RPG. It's coming out July 13th. I'm interested in it. They previous did Lost Sphere, which I did not play, but didn't get great reviews. So I'm not sure how to feel about the Octopath Traveler, but it looks right. awesome. It yeah, I like really the art. Cool, it's like a 3D pixelated version. Yeah, so there are like pixelated. There are pixel sprites, and like right. that's very much the look of it. But it is 3D, and it has like this very Minecraft GLSL shaders mod. Yeah, I thought of Minecraft. The yeah. way the lighting uh, is uh, right. w- with it, it's really interesting. Uh, yeah, it looks cool. And then uh, finally, we got some gameplay for Mario Tennis Aces, which <clears throat> when I heard that they were bringing a Mario Tennis game, I thought that was cool. That was a really fun game. Um, I think the Wii version I played, it was a fun multiplayer game. This one seems really complicated. Did you watch the trailer at all? I just saw Mario Tennis and then I blacked okay. out. That's eh, fine. But like there's just a lot of systems of like you can slow down time, you can stop to aim, and there it just I don't know. It, there just seems to be a lot of shit going on to the point where I was kind of like turned off, but you can play in classic mode, which is just like straight up tennis, which is probably how I would more enjoy it. Um like it bare comes, bones in Call of Duty. Yes. Yeah, exactly, yeah, bare man. bones. Yeah. Fuck those kill streaks. <laughs> um it comes out June 22nd, and then the coolest thing that I enjoyed is one of the playable characters is a Chain Chomp, who has, like, a tennis racket in his, mouth, in his mouth, and it's pretty, pretty great. Honestly, I mean, you can play as King Boo, which makes a little more sense. Like, the, I can buy that. He at least kind of has hands. A fucking Chain Chomp just seems so <laughs> random. But uh, I, I got some enjoyment out of that. And then, uh, also... So last episode, we talked about Bethesda's press conference at E3 because they gave a date and time and location. Microsoft also came out and announced that their E3 presence will primarily be across the street from E3 at the Microsoft Theater. So this is pretty nuts because they're taking most of their presence off of the E3 show floor and having it at this other location. Their press conference will be at this other location. And on their floor space at E3... They are going to be, uh, oh, I wrote this down because I had never heard of it before. It's going to be centered around Mixer, which is their new game streaming service. Like, that's a Twitch competitor. And I had never heard of Mixer before. I've heard of Mixer. So that's going to be what's on their E3 show floor. So this is interesting to me, one, because companies continue to 
pull away from E3 and try to do their own thing to break through the noise a little bit. But also, since just last year, or maybe two years ago, E3 started letting civilians in again. Like, you could purchase tickets to go to the show. If these companies... Like, if I was going to E3 this year... And Microsoft, all I could see of Microsoft was fucking streaming service at E3. I would feel pretty bummed out. So yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was pretty fascinating that this. I wonder if they're still they're, like they're, they're going to let people with E3 passes into their thing across the street too. I guess that's possible. That seems I don't... like a the smart move to right. do that, or I right. guess just like make it free to enter. But then it's like. You know, what's the value of buying a fucking E3 ticket? And also, like, those tickets have been sold already, I believe. So, like, how shitty would that be, like, for them to announce it this late? Yeah. I think you can still buy tickets. I don't think they're sold out. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're expensive, certainly. And also, for people coming from out of town, like, that's you're spending a lot of money to go to E3. tickets and stuff. Yeah, exactly. hotels. It's pretty nuts. Yeah, it's weird. Um, but the, the actual conference uh, will be June 10th at 4 p.m. Eastern. And, uh, you you know, like we said, you'll also that's where you'll be playing the games is at the Microsoft Theater, not on the E3 show floor. So maybe we could talk about what we would expect to see from Microsoft's presser. Or are you not interested in that either because you're a spoil sport? No, no, we can talk about that. <laughs> I have an Xbox One X. Or right. Not, not One X, just an Xbox, yeah, an Xbox One. One. I forgot that you have one because... There's not a ton to play on the Xbox One. I mean, I don't know when I turned it on last. Yeah. But it just, it like perfectly fits into my little Ikea shelf. Yeah, a little cubby. Yeah, it perfectly fits in. So, I mean, E3 is still, what, April, May, June? Still three months away. So some stuff could change in between now and then. But as of now, we still don't have a release date for Crackdown 3. Smart money, since it's already been delayed like three times, smart money is that it will come out this year, probably in the fall. So I wouldn't be shocked if at their press conference they showed some more gameplay, something with that release date, I think makes sense, as their kind of cornerstone game this year. It's also about time for a new Halo. So yeah. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if they showed a little teaser trailer for Halo Six with you know a 2019 release date, and it'll inevitably come out in fall 2019 if it doesn't get delayed to spring 2020. Um, I don't know. There's not like they don't have a ton of exclusives. They Maybe don't. A new, like I'm sure there'll be like a new Forza they'll show. I don't know, man. It's mostly when I was thinking about what stuff they would have there. It's third party stuff because by then, like Sea of Thieves will be out, which is their other big release this year. So maybe they'll have like DLC for Sea of Thieves or just like new content because the game will have been out for a couple months or like maybe just a month. So they could announce like some new content that's coming, assuming the game sells well. I don't know. Like what do they have? Exactly. They had Scalebound, and they fucking shut yeah, it down, and it. that looked really cool. Yeah. It was at least something original from them. Yeah. And they shut that shit down, so I don't even know what the hell they have. I mean, the, they have the uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, the sequel to that that they yeah. announced last year, so we could see that with a release date. It still sure. doesn't have a release date. Um, and then the two things that I pointed out for third party that might make sense, assuming Sony still has their deal with Activision for the Call of Duty stuff... Battlefield 5 could be there, which allegedly is a World War II game. I could see them having some Battlefield 5 there. Yeah. Uh, And then also, if Rockstar wanted to be at E3, I could see them having some stuff for Red Dead 2 at the Microsoft conference. I could see that happening more than at Sony. Yeah, I I think Rockstar is so not interested in E3. 
Like, they typically don't. They, they typically yeah, don't. But I, don't I was, see that you know, happening. I, I was you you're know, grasping for straws here, <laughs> like, yeah. trying to find anything that might fill an hour at Microsoft. When did Gears Four come out? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, I think it came out in 2015. Okay, I mean, it could be time for new Gears. Yeah, new trailer. Maybe. But like, man, are we really gonna have a Gears Five and Six? Gears 4 was the start of a new trilogy. Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just don't think I'm game for it, man. I, know. I mean, I'll play it, but I don't know that I want to play it. <laughs> and, like, I, to be honest, I'm excited for Halo 6 to come out and be done. Because then hopefully, 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 343 can start something new. Because they're clearly like a talented studio. I don't particularly care about Halo. I don't like the way it plays. I don't think they're a talented team. They've done a shit job with the Halo franchise. Have they? Oh, yeah. Like, four and five have sucked. I didn't enjoy Halo 4, but I have never really enjoyed a Halo game, so that didn't really mean anything to me. Like, they just, they've done zero innovation, and in the end, in the, well, not zero, but they've done almost zero innovation, and the innovation they have done has been to the game's detriment. Hmm. Like, the the new enemy types they've dreamed up have been mm-hmm. terrible, awful things to play against. Like, the yeah. guns just don't feel as good anymore, they don't feel as effective, um, and the, I mean, the, the multiplayer holds up, um, right. for, the, for the most part, but like, I just, I don't know. Because Halo, it's always been about the campaign and the co-op experience um, has been pretty integral to the success of the franchise. And, I mean, like, now that multiplayer and games as a service is, is a bigger deal, I mean, they still have that in spades. They can still do that well, and they've, and they've proven that. But it's like, I mean, that's not enough for me. Sure. Yeah, I'm with you. And they could always have more third-party exclusivity in, like, add-ons or dlc like i don't know if they worked with ubisoft for that like skull and bones ship combat game or like wait didn't it didn't microsoft just acquire a studio uh not that i saw i thought i read that microsoft's acquired a studio they brought them in house i don't remember what it might have been bethesda did yeah i don't remember seeing microsoft Uh, i don't know maybe i'm imagining that I don't know, dude. I don't know what the hell they're going to have. Yeah, and I like I don't own an Xbox and so I'm less invested, but I would like for them to announce some big new crazy thing exclusive that makes to. me want to buy a console. They have to. Um, so I mean the only other thing that maybe we see is whatever the VR AR thing they're doing or oh, working sure. on is. Yeah. Maybe we see that. Yeah. More content they... for Minecraft. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, and then in the ongoing saga of Battlefront 2, EA laid out their new progression system. So it launches on March 21st. And basically the way it works is that it, it's, it's linear now. So you level up and you get loot boxes as you level up. Once you like complete a challenge or hit a new level, that's how you get loot boxes. You do not purchase them, which is a pretty big change. Yeah. You can purchase crates, but they only have cosmetic items. So like they have different poses and emotes and shit. And then starting in April, 
you'll be able to buy costumes with either in-game currency or you can buy them with real money. But again, that's only cosmetic. And everything you've already unlocked through the loot box system, you keep. Everything else gets kind of thrown into this linear progression system as you level up, which functions very similar to like Call of Duty style. So that just seems pretty nuts to me that they've... Because like they were so adamant a month or so ago that like we're bringing the loot boxes, we're bringing the microtransactions back eventually. We're just trying to figure out how we're going to make it work. And something happened to where they were like, no, burn it all down. It's done. So I don't know. It seems pretty nuts that they would just cancel all those plans. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is, that's pretty insane. I mean, it sounds like they're doing it more or less right now, but I, right. I feel I, the thing I want to know is, because I read that um, everything people have already bought with uh, the crystals and all that stuff, anything people mm-hmm. have already earned or bought through the crates, they get, they're keeping that. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are these, like, crazy powerful star cards. I'm wondering if those are still droppable now from, like, the crates that you're earning in-game or if, like, point. they're still purchasable or whatever. Like, because then, if not... Isn't the game then inherently broken because some players have shit that they paid for originally that other I mean, people don't? I didn't I don't see anything that said they were taking the star cards away or like any specific star cards away. It's, it's just, just that all random. They're gated at now. different levels and stuff. Yeah. So uh, theoretically, if someone has the really powerful Y wing, you would earn that too. It's just you're not going to get it till you reach X level. So right. which I guess same- yeah. But I mean, it, it still sucks because, hey, that person probably fucking paid for it. Right. Yeah, it and, definitely and doesn't. now I have to work for it. It definitely doesn't. They're not doing anything to make up for the sins of the past. Right. They're just avoiding making Further it Further sins, yeah. Which, I don't know. I mean, the game still sold well. It obviously hit under their, what they wanted it to sell. But it still sold like 10 million plus copies in two months. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, it's uh, a Star I don't Wars know, game. I don't know how many people are sticking around on this. Right. Um, and still if playing? I can get it cheap, I might pick it up now that they've made the change. Because, like, I, I, I want to support the change. That's fair. Like, yeah. I, want, I want them to know that you fixed it, so I'll buy it. And I right. do want to play it. Like, I want to play the single-player campaign. I heard there's some DLC that's actually, like, supposed to be kind of good. Like, there's hmm. some new missions or something, I think, coming down the pipe or already out. Um. I want to see that stuff through. Yeah, I mean, like I said, after I played the single player, it, if you're a Star Wars fan, it's worth playing. Right. It just it did nothing for me. Like, other than it being Star Wars, there was nothing cool or unique or fresh about what they did in the single player. Yeah. And I didn't even bother touching the multiplayer, partially because of the microtransactions, but I just also don't enjoy multiplayer, competitive multiplayer games. So I, I knew I wasn't going to like it no matter what, so I didn't want to waste any time. Right. Moving into some additional game announcements. So, Days Gone has been delayed in 2019. I'm not super shocked because Sony already has God of War coming out next or in April. And then, uh, allegedly, Spider-Man coming out in the fall. So, something was bound to get moved. Yeah, um, I'm a little disappointed because like they've shown a lot of gameplay videos they have. of like finished areas of the game and stuff. Right. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just not all coming together the way they wanted it to. Or maybe like you said, it's because of um, other releases. Other releases. Yeah. I, I mean, it definitely could be either way. Certainly more time to work on it would rarely negatively impact the quality right. of the game. So whatever. The bigger thing for me is assuming 
The Last of Us 2 comes out next year, which I think is a fair assumption to make. I mean, Maybe. it might not be until 2020, but if it does come out in 2019, Days Gone and The Last of Us will release in the same year, and they're pretty similar aesthetically, and I that that doesn't sound awesome to me for the sake of Days Gone, because we know The Last of Us 2 is going to be phenomenal. It's so overhyped, etc., that I can't imagine is great for Days Gone to potentially compete against The Last of Us. Yeah, well, Days Gone, they didn't say when it was delayed to in 2019, did they? No. They didn't even give a quarter? Mm, I don't think so. Okay, because maybe, maybe Days Gone was just delayed to quarter one 2019, and Last of Us 2, at best, would be quarter four. Yes, I, I, well, quarter three, like in the fall, but I, Sorry, I would yeah. think. Quarter but three. point being, being in the same year, they're very similar style games. Sure. That, that's more what I'm saying. Yeah, um, if they release in the same year, they need to be separated by as much time as possible. Exactly. So hopefully that happens. And, I mean, for my sake, hopefully The Last of Us isn't a 2020 game because I would like to play it. So I'd yeah. like to play it sooner. But, uh, yeah. Yes, please. The Division 2 is a video game. I'm not super surprised by this. Uh the first game didn't really set the world on fire. It did really well in the beginning, but it, people fell off because there wasn't a ton of content. It fell into the same trap as Destiny, even though what it said it was going to do was solve the problems that Destiny created, and it didn't. Right. I guess the game has improved a lot now. Like They're still supporting it with content, which is great. And I think it's done a better job with more consistent content than Destiny did, which was certainly a problem with people falling off in Destiny because they didn't do like m- these big monthly events consistently. Um, so I, there's going to be a full reveal at E3, uh, I would assume at the Ubisoft press conference. I'm interested to see what they do with this. Um, I was pretty faith- faithful that Bungie would fix the Destiny 1 problems in Destiny 2, and they certainly fucking didn't even come close to doing that. Right. So hopefully the Division can fix the problems of the first one, because I'd be interested in this. I mean, I didn't play the first one because the reviews weren't awesome, and I heard people complaining about the content, etc., the repetition. But if it seems like the second game's coming together, like it's certainly a game I'd be interested in playing. So I hope it's good. Yeah, um, I, I really see. enjoyed the first one. My buddy and I played quite a bit of it on both yeah. PS4 and PC. Um, I think those uh, uh, it, it, there's there's a lot to enjoy there. But yeah, like at the higher level stuff, it did get to be really repetitive, um, mm-hmm. which I hear they fixed um, later with uh, like different DLCs and expansions right. and stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't. Know. I, I just I remember the disconnect between what they showed before the game was out and what the game actually wound up looking like and functioning yeah. like. Yeah. I remember that disconnect being really off-putting. So I'm hoping with The Division 2, they have a clearer, more concise vis- uh, look that they can show the public right. um, and like and not you know, try and pull the wool over our eyes yet again Yeah, with Agreed. what that game actually is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sticking with shooters, Activision announced that the next Call of Duty game, 2018's Call of Duty game, is Black Ops 4, or I'm sorry, Black Ops I-I-I-I, which yep. is not the Roman numeral for 4, but sure, why not? Uh-huh. It's real dumb, but it's the kind of thing they would do for the Call of Duty audience. 
We like, on tally marks now, bruh. <laughs> yeah, like if they made it Call of Duty IV, like the actual Roman numeral four, I could see a lot of the Call of Duty bros being like, yo, what's Call of Duty IV? Am I playing as a nurse? (laughs) 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 So I'm not super shocked. Exclusive, uh, (laughs) exclusively medics. Yeah. Uh, So it comes out October 12th, which is also interesting because that's the week before Red Dead 2. So clearly they wanted to get out ahead of that. Right. Definitely makes sense. Sure. Um, They're having a release event or a reveal event, I should say, May 17th. And we'll also be at E3, presumably the Sony press conference. So I bet you we'll see some multiplayer in May. We'll see some single player in June. That's how that always goes. Yeah. Uh, it is still futuristic. They're sticking with that for this one. Mm, I'm not. I mean, I'm I have way been less plugged. interested in that. Yeah. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Yes. I have zero interest in this because of the futuristic setting. Same. I haven't been plugged into the Call of Duty community for like a long time. I'm not sure what the vibe was about World War II. I know, obviously, before the game came it out, everybody was, well. was excited about the World War II return. Yeah. And, obviously, like, when they did the COD 4 remake, everybody was really excited about that, the modern stuff, because everybody was burnt out by the futuristic. Right. I don't know if that's different now, if World War II wasn't awesome, if people didn't like it as much, if they're ready to go it. back. So, yeah, I mean... I, I don't know what the Call of Duty community's response is to this, but Treyarch seems to be looked at as like the A studio now, whereas it used to be Infinity Ward, and they've certainly fallen apart. Um, I guess Sledgehammer's done some some decent ones, but Treyarch's looked at like the main Call of Duty studio, so I'm sure people have a lot more faith in them than, than um, some other stuff. I don't know, man. I just don't give a shit. I mean, it's got zombies. There's, like, the remote control cars. It just seems like it's the same stuff. Like, it, it, right. Whereas World War II, at least, was new for the recent Call of Duty games. This feels like just retreading the same shit they've been doing for six years again. Yeah, it's just it's fucking Call of Duty Madden. Yeah, exactly. They may Call as well just start calling them by the year. Call of Duty 2018. Right, right. Just get a new new skins that you can unlock each time. Right. Um, let's move on. Please. Yeah. Uh, Blue Point is working on a new game. So there are they've been working on like HD remasters, remakes for a long time. Recently they put out the Shadow of the Colossus on PS4, which I know was super well received. I haven't checked that yet, but I, I need to. They've announced just that they're working on another game, and that it's bigger than anything they've done before. That's as specific as they were. That makes me excited. They've done a phenomenal job with all those. They did, like, the Nathan Drake collection. Um, They did a bunch of other stuff before that. I mean, they did the original PS3 Ico Shadow of the Colossus collection. They did the Gravity Rush remaster on PS4. Um, so I, like they're a very talented remaster remake studio. So I'd be excited by whatever they're working on next, especially when they say that it's a bigger project than they've done before. Xenosaga. Make it, oh, make it be Xenosaga. I started thinking about Xenosaga again, talking about this top 100 list, thinking about Xenosaga again, man. That's, that's, those are, those good, are good games. It's good. That's good stuff. 
I like Xeno yeah. Saga. And they were more popular than I remember. Because yeah. I remember them being like mid-tier JRPGs. Like they right. weren't as well known as obviously Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest or whatever else. And I just remember not a lot of people talking about Xenosaga back in the day. But if you go but online like, now and look at Xenosaga, there are a lot know of people that, game. that love People know Xenosaga. that game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and I would surprising love the Xenosaga trilogy. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that would be so good. Yeah. Moving to the world of television and film. Got a new little teaser for Luke Cage Season 2. Comes out June 22nd. It just is a little teaser. There's not really much to glean there. But I did see a news story talking about more of the story, which I thought was interesting. The villains are going to be Bushmaster and Nightshade. And just like I like that they're sticking with the like snake aesthetic. Because that's a very common thing in Marvel villains. Like the lower tier Marvel villains. And I like that they're staying with that. Because obviously in the... First season, they had Cottonmouth and Diamondback. And so in this one, Bushmaster and Nightshade, they're having. I feel so, like these are like porn star names. <laughs> Bush Bushmaster. <laughs> mm, Diamondback. Nightshade. <laughs> so yeah, uh, giving a little comic book history lesson. So I don't know that these will be the takes on these characters in the show. But in the comics, there have been two different Bushmasters. So the first guy, he was a crime boss that he undergoes like a similar thing to Luke Cage where it makes him like, you know, super powerful and unbreakable skin, etc. Where his body is slowly turning into a living metal. Uh, and so like, you know, he's trying to stop that from happening, but also enjoying the power that it brings him. The second Bushmaster is like a, this crazy dude who he gets a prosthetic tail and additional limbs, and he has these, like, talon blades on his arms that he uses, where, he, you know, he's more like a snake with his prosthetic tail and stuff. I'm gonna assume that if they're going with a comic book version, they're gonna use the former, and not <laughs> the living snake man version of Bushmaster. <laughs> I don't know, dude! In, like, Maybe this, like, modern really horror direction. <laughs> Some weird yeah. body horror shit. <laughs> I do think it makes sense, because, you know, it's the crime boss, which the first season dealt with a lot, and also having another, having a villain that's similar in abilities to Luke Cage, I think makes sense as someone to fight, so that yeah. totally makes sense to me. Nightshade is a bit of a different thing because she has really fucking weird powers. So she's a, like a genius, uh, like a big scientist. She's into like uh, technology and biometrics and all that genetics, all that kind of shit. She's a former prisoner, which also makes sense. She could be like thinking of the show. Maybe she was in prison at the same time as Luke Cage or they knew similar people, whatever. But uh, she also has this serum that she creates that turns people into werewolves, which... That doesn't nice. make sense compared to anything else. I don't know if they're going to go with that on this show. But uh, the, like, scientist, ex-con, that could make sense. Um, maybe she's a potential love interest, too. Or I don't know. But she is a villain. And um, Hey, who better to fight a werewolf than a man who cannot contract the werewolf disease because his skin does not break? Whoa. You're blowing my mind. Luke Did you Cage. pitch this? Did you pitch this to Netflix? Luke Cage Van Helsing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Just like some R&B music, and he walks up to this castle. That sounds like the worst kind of exploitation film from the 70s. <laughs> Luke Cage Van Luke Helsing. Van Helsing. <laughs> uh, so in this story that I read, they also confirmed that Iron Fist will be in the second season. Meh. 
Yeah. Uh, and Misty Knight is coming back, and she lost her arm in the first season, and now she's got that bionic arm shit from the comics. Right. Which is pretty cool. So got that uh, C-3PO arm. Yeah, exactly. Um, we got a new trailer for Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. I don't know, dude. Like, I, this looks like it has more of, like, the Harry Potter magic stuff yes. in it than the previous one. Which and, is good. Which is good. I just don't know how I feel about Johnny Depp being in the Harry Potter universe. Yes. So, I have many thoughts on this. But I totally agree. This feels more like the Harry Potter series, which is positive. I do like that they're keeping the Fantastic Beasts part of it in yeah. the film. But it was weird because the first movie felt like two movies. Like, it was the Grindelwald kind of. mystery uh, Ocu- Oculus. Is that what it's called? Uh Obscurus, Obscurus story, yeah. and then the Fantastic Beast part. It just felt like two two movies that just butted heads throughout the whole thing, right? And this, it feels like the Beasts part is like more supporting the larger Grindelwald story. I think that's very smart. I'm glad they're doing that. Yeah, and it also helps make sense why it's still called Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, and I I really like the characters from the first mm-hmm. movie. Yes, absolutely. And they're all in the new one, which is fantastic. So totally agree. I, I'm I'm more excited about this than I was about Fantastic Beasts, because, like the first one, because like I didn't mm. know what to expect from that one. And now okay. this one, like they have a solid cast of characters. I like all of them, and like this seems like a little bit more like they're they're kind of picking and choosing more things from the Harry Potter universe to implement. Like it didn't. Be, be, I think maybe because it took place in America, mm. like is what like it it felt so alien. To the franchise, and sure. I think this takes place in Europe, Paris. I think yeah, Paris. I think it's okay. primarily in Paris. They so, mention Paris at yeah. least, so maybe and they show feel... they do show Hogwarts as well. Yeah, and so I trailer. think like it'll feel a little more at home. Yeah, because of um, that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I will say, I, I have two things about this. So, in the Harry Potter books, one of the things that I really loved about the later books was it gave additional backstory to Dumbledore. And this whole story of him taking down Grindelwald, you kind of see them when they were younger, how they had this friendship, and Dumbledore be- starts to become like not as much of a saint. You're learning about some of the sins of his past, etc. I loved that in the in the novels. Yeah. They didn't do as awesome of a job in the, in the movies because they didn't really have time to build that out as much. But I really liked how there was that it kind of undid a lot of what you thought you knew about Dumbledore's past, in in particular with his relationship with Grindelwald. And it kind of made Grindelwald maybe more of a sympathetic character, that he wasn't just this, like, precursor to Voldemort. That maybe he was a little understood, like, he went too far in what he was trying to do. Right. But, like, that he was... He just kind of got... His life got away from himself, kind of a thing. And, like, that whole big final battle between the two of them was maybe not a big final battle. And maybe Grindelwald just, like, gave up to Dumbledore because they were friends, etc. And yeah. I really liked that. And I, I liked it, too, because Harry, his lack of parents... Like, an important thing that we go through as people is when we realize our parents are just people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Harry didn't have that opportunity like, he right. didn't have the opportunity to experience that with his own parents, and so Dumbledore sure. was kind of the foil for that to happen, or an excuse for that to happen. So Harry gets that kind of growth yeah. that we all naturally get. You learn that he's not perfect, you know? Right. And, and and it's powerful for the reader, too, because we look at Dumbledore as being, like, the smartest, most amazing wizard of all time, and like, oh, he did some bad shit when he was a kid. Right. Uh, but anyway, point of saying all that, 
I really like that relationship that they semi-build, but also leave open to interpretation between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Mm -hmm. Granted, I'm only going from the trailer and from, you know, the ending of the first film, but it seems like they're just going balls to the wall. Johnny Depp is an insane, evil, bad guy. Yeah. And that is just far less interesting to me. Agreed. There could be a huge bait and switch. Maybe they do something interesting with that relationship. That's just not how it comes across right now. And that really bums me out. I'm not a fan of Johnny Depp in general. I think he's a complete overactor, and I, I just don't ever buy his characters. Yeah, I think he was perfect for Captain Jack Sparrow, and that is the only role I've ever actually <laughs> liked him in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. That part of it I'm certainly not sold on, but I agree with you. And I'm, I don't know that I am more excited for this one than I was for the first one, because going into the first one, it was like more Wizarding World. I was so hyped for it. Okay. But I am more, after seeing this trailer, I am more excited for this movie than I thought I would be. Okay. I guess is how I would say it. Uh, one little thing, I was doing some reading on some of the characters that are in this movie, and I came across like a half-formulated theory that I have fleshed out because I'm a Harry Potter genius. <laughs> and I'm going to give it to you right now, and it's going to blow your fucking mind. Okay. So, you watch, you watch the trailer, obviously. Oh, yeah. In the trailer, there are a couple of quick little shots of this, like, Asian girl who she uses some magic and there's something with an Obscurus and there's a shot of her, like, crying, whatever. There was a production still or, like, a cast photo with her in it. And right now, her character is only known as Maledictus. That's what her name is on IMDb, is Maledictus. In the Harry Potter universe, a Maledictus is someone that carries a blood curse that is transforming them into an animal so not an animagi where they can just do it whenever they want but that it's like a degradation where they're slowly turning into this animal interesting in fantastic beasts and where to find them which is this is how i originally found this theory there is a poster for this like traveling traveling freak circus of magic people and one of those characters on that poster is called the Enchanting Snake Girl. In this cast photo, this chick who is Maledictus, what she is wearing is this like skin tight yoga panty sort of thing that is, I mean, it looks like scales, basically. Okay. And so the theory that I saw is hey, this chick this maledictus is actually the enchanting snake girl which like that seems cool that seems reasonable that they would tie into this circus in some way that they kind of teased a little bit showed a little bit in the first movie i take this one step further she's nagini you son of a bitch you're, you're, <laughs> you are a, you are a bastard you're reading my show notes here you what no i'm not <laughs> Did you write it? Oh, you wrote it. Yeah, I did, did you? write that. Oh, you did. I didn't even read <laughs> no, it. No, I'm teasing you. But, yes. So, she has this curse that is slowly turning her into an animal. And if she is the en enchanting snake girl and has these snake abilities, she's wearing snake-like clothing. My question was, that I was going to tease it, was, what snake in the Harry Potter universe do we know that's anthropomorphized? That is like more more intelligent than a normal snake has some more human actions that than a snake would have. Well, I thought and that yes, was attributed Nagini. to Voldemort 
putting part of his soul in the snake. It, it certainly could be. It certainly could be. This is just a theory that I yeah. thought would be pretty fucking cool if this chick turned out to be Nagini in the future. That would be pretty awesome. That that's would all be cool. I'm saying. So that's my theory. I'm sticking to it. It's probably uh, too, it, too out there, but... Yeah, if she were to be Nagini, I think she would need to have some form of connection to Grindelwald, which would be the only reason why um, uh, Tom Riddle would have sought her out because of her connection yeah, to Grindelwald's no, powerful wizard. That yeah, would make absolutely. sense. And, I mean, the movie, the, Grindelwald is the bad guy in the movie, so that seems like a pretty easy way to, to tie her into his character. Right. Um, the only I, other thing I I'll mention... That. The only other thing I'll mention really quick from the trailer, which is like a real quick shot. So they've already announced that, um, oh shit, what was his name? Uh, Theseus Scamander, who is Newt Scamander's older brother, is in the film. Mm. And there's a real quick shot of him, like right at the end, where he's with Newt and they both do this like complicated spell where they like hit the ground. Yeah. I just wanted to call that out because it's, you know, it's his older brother. He's a new character and clearly has some involvement on the magical story of the film, so... Is it yeah. who who's playing Dumbledore? Is it Jude Law? It is Jude Law. I'm I that's I feel like that's a good choice. He I didn't really get Dumbledore vibes from him in the trailer. Yeah, like it didn't but I, seem yeah, right. But I, I because hope. it was so long ago, I think Jude Law is a really good actor. I yeah. think maybe sometimes he chooses scenery a little bit, mm. but I think he's a good actor and like I'm I'm fine with him playing Dumbledore and he has that little bit of like cocky attitude to his character that yeah. I enjoy. Um, that's a little bit more of that Dumbledore bad boy that right. you read in the books. Right. So that seems neat. Um, I just, well, cause like the whole conceit is that like Dumbledore and Grindelwald are gay. Yeah. Or at, at least Dumbledore is. Right. Um, and so I guess you think, I think we're going to see Jude Law and Johnny Depp make out. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, also, it, se- it seems like also like this is taking place after they have already had some sort of a clash with each other. Yes. And that separation yes. has already happened. Right. So we'll see. I, like I said, I'm more excited for the film than I thought I would be. Yeah. Um, I hope it doesn't disappoint. One thing, an- or I should say another thing I'm far more excited about than I maybe thought I would be. Disney has come out and said that Jon Favreau is working on creating a live-action Star Wars show. Which, that sounds pretty cool. Tell me uh, who Jon Favreau is. So he directed the first Iron Man. He okay. pl- He plays... Uh, shit, what's the character's name? Because he, he acts in Iron Man 2. Um, he's the like the driver. Iron Tony Stark's driver. The kind of okay. big teddy bear-looking guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's been an actor for a really long time. He's, he directs a lot of stuff now, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's he's, I think he's awesome um, from a creative standpoint. So the fact that he's kind of taking this on and developing his own show in the Star Wars universe and it's live action sounds really rad. This will be something that's part of Disney's new streaming service that we've talked about before. Um, it's eh, whatever. It's supposed to, to launch next year, and they're going to have two versions. So there's going to be one that's more about like. I guess it's more kid-friendly. Well, they'll have a lot of, like, the movies and the Disney XD stuff and all that kind of crap. And then the other one is more of, like, the Disney films where, like, they have all the Marvel movies and the Star Wars content. And it's the more adult-geared version. And you so, have to pay separately for these? I'm not sure. All I know is that when they initially announced it, they said they were going to have two different versions. 
Uh, I don't know if that's still the plan or not. That That's all I knew at the time, which was like a couple months ago when I, when I read that. Hmm. As part of this announcement, they also said that as for this streaming service, they have a couple, or I should say, quote, a few Star Wars series being developed for this. Which sounds awesome. That sound like I'm super pumped about that. The movies have been like not awesome, but something about a bunch of like new Star Wars TV shows makes me very excited. And it also makes sense because Star Wars Rebels, which is the only on or current Star Wars show, it's the animated CG animated one, just ended or is about to end really soon. So it makes sense that they're okay. kind of stopping all of that to move all that content now on their streaming platform. So presumably they would have live action shows and animated shows, CG shows, etc. Uh, yeah. All to right. me, the, like, I mean, the uh, I haven't watched Rebels, but I've heard good things, and I really enjoyed Clone Wars. So more Star Wars TV, even like the animated stuff, is I'm totally down for that. Let's bring back the Ewok adventures, man. Mm, no, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not the Ewok it was adventures. Like Smurfs, but better. Uh. <laughs> what? So, like, what? But like, still below Alvin and the Chipmunks. Like, that's the level well, we're talking yeah. about here. I mean, Alvin like, better and than Chipmunks. Better than Smurfs is a low, low bar. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you can point at something and say it's better than something else, <laughs> you you got a winner. Like getting punched in the face, it's better than getting kicked in the nuts. <laughs> getting kicked like, in the nuts. Yeah, it's better than getting stabbed in the side of the head. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. maybe not. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It was just funny. Like, when I read this news, I got immediately really excited, which is more than I can say for my excitement about all these new upcoming Star Wars movies. So, I thought sure. that was interesting. Because, you know what? Say. They haven't messed up a Star Wars TV show yet. Well, not significantly. Right. I, guess, I mean, there haven't been that many opportunities exactly. to mess up Star Wars TV shows. But, yeah. Um, I guess... Two quick stories before we move on. So Robert Kirkman, who created The Walking Dead, he has a new comic coming out. It's called Oblivion's Song. And it actually looks pretty awesome. So it's about this world where 300,000 people disappear into this like alternate plane called Oblivion. Or like The Oblivion or something. And uh, he is a government agent who's sent to um, Philadelphia... To, like, research this and find out more about this. And he fights, like, a bunch of fucking monsters and demons and shit. Because, of course, he does. The first issue is actually already out. And then it'll come out um, every month. It'll be a monthly thing. So, episode... Or, second... What's issue? Episode. Second issue is in April and then May, etc. It just sounded cool to me. And I know you're a big Robert Kirkman or Walking Dead fan. So, um... Sounds like something I would probably want to check out. I think the artist is like a brand new artist, too. I think he's like a new Interesting. person. Yeah, Outcast yeah, cool. is really good, too. Yeah, yeah. And finally, and definitely the most important news of this episode, is that Mario is a plumber again. So, a couple years ago, Nintendo changed his official occupation to Adventurer. And it said that he was a former plumber... A long time ago. And now, apropos of nothing, they've changed it back to where now his job, his occupation is a plumber. Once a plumber, always a plumber. Let's yeah. be honest. So all is right with the world. Everything we talk about, net neutrality and all this dark future and etc. At least Mario knows who he is again. Right. And that's what really matters. Yeah. 
<laughs> the only thing that matters. Right. Um, I guess before we move to hate of the week, so last episode I talked through kind of my top ten games, and that that post is still up on shadeseverything.com if you want to check it out. Uh, I also posted my top ten movies from 2017. Uh, just because, I mean, we're, we're running along here. I, I'm not going to walk through all of it, but um, I don't know. I, like I said, I definitely did not agree with sh- The Shape of Water winning Best Picture. Um, so if you're interested in films, definitely check that out on my site, Top 10 Movies of 2017. And this isn't the Oscar 2017 where like it's like February 2017 to February 2018. These were films that actually released in calendar year 2017. So right. some stuff that, that like were at the Oscars in 2016 or 27. I don't fucking know what dates. Yeah, years. The Oscars are dumb basically is what I'm trying to say. Yep. Hey, fuck the Oscars. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> good. That was good. Thanks. Uh, and before we wrap up, I guess we might as well talk about the hate of the week. Hate of the week. So we'll keep this one nice and short because it's a fairly trivial thing. But this is just something that uh, some recent stuff has come out that made me think about it. And then I also saw a discussion about it in the Giant Bomb Facebook group, which made me think about it even more. And you liked my comment. I did. Because it's a pretty good comment. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny. So, today's hate of the week is... I don't even know like how you would say this. But it's basically like trailers for trailers. So, it's not like teaser trailers. I don't have a problem with teaser trailers that are like a hype trailer. But it's like a trailer that is announcing the release date of a trailer. That is like... Mm-hmm. The, like that is the dark future shit that I'm talking about. <laughs> that, like the world is gonna end when we when we have trailers for trailers. I remember. Yo dog, I, we heard you like trailers. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't the first instance, but I remember this. Like the one that com- pops into my mind is for Avengers: Age of Ultron, the second Avengers film. They did a trailer for the trailer, and it was like two months. Before the trailer came out, it was just like a little 30 second thing where they showed like a couple quick shots and they were like, Avengers Age of Ultron trailer coming in two months. And I was like, wait, why didn't you put the trailer out now? Like, you don't need to get me hyped for a trailer. The trailer is what's supposed to get me hyped. Right. It's just, it's just so fucking stupid. It's so and dumb. It, I mean, this came out again for the Shadow of the Tomb Raider, the announcement there, because they were like, it was like a 30 second, a couple quick shots of Lara. And they're like, hey, it's coming out on this date. Here's when our reveal event will be. And I'm like, okay, wh- why Like, why did you even announce it then if you right. have a full reveal event? Like, what's the point to get me hyped for the reveal event? I don't know. It just seems stupid. It's like, yeah. It just seems like bad marketing to me. It's like, um, I hate it. It's stupid. It's really stupid. Some might say, I hate it of this week. <laughs> right, exactly. If if someone got hit on the head, they would say that phrase. <laughs> so yeah, stop making trailers for your trailers. Just make trailers. <laughs> just make trailers. I don't need a trailer for. Oh, you trailer. know what? Maybe don't even make trailers. Just release your fucking shit. That's that. That too. I like. I get trailers. I get the point. I get the point. And I get the point of having multiple trailers. I get the point of like having a teaser that's like style, and then you have the second trailer a couple months later that's like. More of the story. I get that. You're shaking your head, but no. it ma- that makes sense. No, 
it doesn't. From a marketing perspective, it makes yes, sense. Yes, from a capitalist, we want your dollars. We want your ass in the seat so we make money off of you. Yes, it makes sense. But from, like, from, I'm thinking, like, how does it benefit me as a consumer? It doesn't. But that's what I'm saying. So the, that announcement trailer, it gives you the style of it. So I'm not talking about like sequels, but like for something new. It'll give you the style and the vibe of something. And then the but second trailer is more like the like story. Sometimes trailers just lie. No, you're right. I'm saying in, in an ideal world where the trailer does what it's supposed sure. to do, yeah, what it okay. intends to do, that's the point. These trailers for trailers, that is pointless because it's not a teaser trailer. It's right. not – I mean it's, it's basically – like – it doesn't offer anything other than a couple of quick shots and then come back for more info in like three fucking months. It serves no value. It is so, so stupid and it needs to stop. Yeah. But on the positive side of things, to close the episode, I don't hate my dog, Beamer. He well, was being a bit of a pain in the ass today because we have neighbors that have three dogs and they let them outside in the back and Beamer jumps all over the window and claws and whines and I try to get him to like sit while the dog is out there just to be because uh, like obviously there's a, a, a window to door between them but to like be okay and try to calm him and be okay being in the same space as this other dog and he was not cooperating very well <laughs> but he's still he's fucking adorable I love him so I don't hate him um, and today I don't hate my again with my theater kids they put together a fundraiser at a local coffee shop and from 7 p.m to 8 30 p.m all of these theater kids they had put together songs and like performances and stuff and they went and they sang and they played instruments for an hour and a half and 10 percent of all of the sales during that time went to the theater program and they raised a tidy sum of money and they completely organized it themselves put it all together and made it happen, and that was really, really cool. So That's awesome. I thought that was really, really neat. Good um, group of kids. Yes. Is a, they, every, everything they ever do reminds me that I'm uh, extremely fortunate to have that group of kids. So, Yeah, absolutely. Had me, had me tearing up a little bit. <laughs> well, that's a good positive note to end the, to end the episode on. Yeah. So uh, thanks everybody for listening, Kyle. Thank you for joining me. I'm sure sh- I'm sure um, I was a bright ray of hope and positivity today. Other than shutting down my Super Smash Brothers hype, <laughs> <laughs> it was fuck fun. Smash Brothers. <laughs> One of the worst games you've ever played. What a, You're a like, crazy person. Okay, there's Mario Party and then there's Smash Brothers, and it's just those two. That's I worst know. games ever made. No, that is not the hill you want to die on, my friend. <laughs> that is not the hill. Don't tell me my fights. You need to correct yourself. <laughs> Put your brain right. No. It's a good game. It's a good video game. You have to commit me. <laughs> uh, if you want to read some good opinions, unlike Kyle's, you should go to <laughs> com and check out some stuff there. Uh, so I guess we will see everybody in the next episode. And peace out.